Welcome to Lazy with Gumption, episode 147, Fail Safe. We are the Lazy with Gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. I am Jessica, and I'm here with May and Tatiana. And you can contact us on Twitter at DCTV Gumption. You can send us your feedback on the episodes, ladieswithbegumption at gmail.com, or you can send us ask on Tumblr, ladieswithbegumption.tumblr.com. Hopefully you're listening to this a day earlier than usual because we used to record on Fridays, but we're now we're trying to um, record a day earlier. So now we're, we're being new and different. Yes, on Thursday. So if you do have feedback, make sure Thursday is your deadline and not Friday. So because if it's on Friday, I'm just gonna put it up on Tumblr and we're just gonna call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can listen to our episodes. Um, you can find them on the Podomatic site. You can find them on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Amazon, I believe. And and if you are special and you want to feel make us feel like we're special, you can also uh, join our Patreon. It is www.patreon.com slash gumption. Where here you can not only get these episodes, um, the main season episodes, 24 hours in advance, you also get extra stuff. Um, I believe it's only $10 a month to get, um, I think we have like 45, 46 episodes in the bank right now. So you get to listen to everything that we've talked about before, such as The Mandalorian, Bridgerton, The Boys, Witcher, WandaVision. Um, Witcher Season 2 is coming up. The Boys Season 3 is coming up. Uh, we know Bridgerton Season 2 is coming up. We recently did The Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, also done movies, so Justice League, the Snyder Cut, um, Godzilla vs. Kong, we did Shadow and Bone for Netflix, um, we just um, flamed Mortal Kombat. <laughs> um, so if you have a wide variety of things that you like to watch and you want to hear what people think about it, then you can join us over on there. Coming up, um, well, it's, it's going to be a race to who can we force to watch what first. Um, so we can... Uh, May and I have watched Invincible on Amazon Prime, um, so we can force Tati to watch that. Or Tati and May have watched Cruella, and they can force me to watch it, <laughs> and then we can talk to you about it. So if any of those sound of interest to you, then head over to our Patreon. In the news, May is going to catch us up on what we missed for Superman and Lois this week. Which oh, my God. Like episode. Yeah, Indeed. I keep knowing I need to watch. Maybe this weekend I'll finally catch up. Yes, on, the season on has Superman and Lois. Yeah, everyone's saying you it's good. Watching? You started watching no. without me? No. <laughs> I I'd only seen the first two episodes. That's it to oh. begin with. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yes, well, I mean, I think you should. It's worth a watch because it does have several twists. Like last week's was um, the fact that Lex Luthor is not actually Lex Luthor. He was John Henry Irons from Another Earth which was great. And then they're really picking up steam with this Morgan Edge storyline. And there was a twist with him and Lana's husband. So double, double twist. <laughs> I will not reveal anything further because I do want you guys to watch it. Um, ah, there was, maybe we'll do a special episode on it. Much, much to yeah. Jessica's chagrin. That will, I mean, I feel like <laughs> I was going to do it eventually, but. <laughs> yeah, we could have it for like the hiatus. Um, yes. That, that would be good. But yeah, I mean, a strong plot overall. I think even like the family dynamic stuff is really, really good. Lois is really, like Todd Helbing is such a fucking liar. 
Talk about, jur- talk about journalism. He knows how to do journalism. Okay, I'm sorry. Bitch. He does. It's been eight episodes now, and Lois's plot, I would say, is probably better than Clark's, in my opinion, because wow, she, she has like she's starting to balance more of the. She's starting to get more screen time with her sons, whereas the beginning it was more of Clark and them. Mm-hmm. Um, and now she had, you know, now that she's one of the sons is not super powered. They're like, let's bond. We're let's the non-superpowered people of the family. Aww. It sucks being in this family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, you know, like, she's been doing all the journalism stuff in this episode. Is that your okay. Yeah. And um, then, you know, we get into the whole journalistic side of it and her mm-hmm. going after Morgan Edge. And this time she's inviting Clark to kind of, like, look over the notes because you know, surprise, he used to be a journalist, too. <laughs> right. So it was nice that the show remembered that. I think my only nitpick, my main nitpick this episode was was that, you know, how uh, Nandria Tucker was talking about um, all the issues behind the scenes and right. how to write characters of color as not only the villains. Yeah. Well, that kind of reared its ugly head in this episode because we did have Superman do, like, a rescue, and I think it was in Mexico, and mm-hmm. It was like the first time there were Mexicans on the show. It's like Uh-oh. there he was there to stop like a robbery, and I'm like, oh, this is just why, why? Oh, <laughs> so I yeah. thought that was like really odd that you know there you could hire people color right. on the show, but you're using them to only in the scene where they're going to be like robbing a bank. Right, right, so, right. I guess it yeah. is like a pretty whiteish show. Mm-hmm. Aside yeah. from like John Henry Irons, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Lana's yeah, like, and Emmanuel Shriek uh, and Emmanuel Shrieky isn't white either, like necessarily. Yeah. But there, I feel like the whole family is white passing. Yeah, and they don't not. like lean into their yeah. heritage, so I don't know. Right, right. So yeah, but otherwise, like plot stuff, it's doing a good job. Okay. See, that's the thing. Like, I mean, like it sounds interesting. I do want to catch up. I feel like it's like outside stuff that is what keeps me from it, which is just mm. A, the Nature Trucks thing that you just mentioned. Um, and then B, just the reverse Schadenfreude of like, oh, you could have done with his iris, but you didn't. Mm. <laughs> so every yeah. time I watch yeah. and Lois gets something that Iris didn't, I'll just be like, exactly, a bitter hag. So. <laughs> Indeed. It's sad times. <laughs> But that that's my catch up. So thank <laughs> well, you, thank you. Happier times, thanks, May. Um, <laughs> I did want to mention um, the love boat because we got an anon asking about when are we going to do our love boat series, and it's one of our, I think it is our most popular kind of episode. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> wants to know uh, what when we it's think of happen. their ships. <laughs> yes, and this season is like you know it's weird because of like COVID and everything, but we are thinking that a great time to do it would be in the hiatus. Um, so coming up in maybe July or August, like ahead of Supergirl and Stargirl before they come back on. And then mm. we can do another one possibly in December. So by, um, I think in July and August, we can do most of the shows and maybe it depends on whether we finish Superman and Lois in time to put it there, or we could also just do it in December when we have, you know, the rest of Supergirl and some of Stargirl. So um, 
July, late July, early August, and December are what we are planning for those. So mark your calendars for that if you want to send in feedback <laughs> for ships for the Love Boat. Um, also, this week, Candace had a new interview with Hype Bay, um, talking about being an actor of color in Hollywood and the support um, that she will always support actors of color because, you know, it's a small community when you're by yourself and you don't have the kind of support that you think that you should have. Right. Um, she talked about how um, one, one thing that spoke, like there are two really big parts of the interview that, that struck a chord with a lot of people. One was the fact that, you know, when they're talking about where some of the things you can learn, um, she specifically mentioned promotion and marketing was very interesting to kind of learn how Hollywood works in there. And I think mm. for me, it was like, you know, this part was key because she's the lead of her show, but she's having to, she's not being promoted, first of all, because she said she had to fight to be seen. Mm-hmm. So if you're being billed as lead of, of a show, a romantic lead, and you have to fight to be seen, that doesn't really make sense. Also, um, she didn't say it, but I'm going to say it. She had to share, like, a lot of, like, you know, you never heard of, like, co-female lead before right. in your life. Like, get <laughs> yeah. out of here. It's not an ensemble cast. There is a main character and his romantic lead. You've never heard of co-lead, female lead for anything. Not even in, like, any of the other shows. Like, Supergirl, Kara, um, Melissa's not co-leading with anybody, you know. Right. But Candace, for some reason, has to share her title with Danielle um, every time that she's chosen to represent the um show like i went when they went to when all the dctv people went to like dubai or in, mm-hmm. was it dubai or was, it was somewhere it was in the abu middle dhabi, east i think abu dhabi yeah and she's representing the flash but here comes danielle too you know so <laughs> it's like, right when they did that one con in london like, yeah mm-hmm. when they went to Cannes in london here comes danielle too so she's having to share like all these opportunities with a white woman so the white woman and her white fan base can be like yay we're included right and then the the other thing that she talked about um that struck a chord with a lot of people is you know dealing with her hair and her hair care because um you know first of all they're not hiring black hairstylists on set to do her hair and so Mm -hmm. when she has to like trying to keep maintain the health of her hair she's been going to la and then they're like well i don't want to pay for that anymore you can find one in vancouver and she's like well how many black blondes are in Vancouver. So it's just, you know, her having to go out of pocket. And this is not like the first time that we've heard it from black actresses. Um, remember uh, Tati Gabrielle from... Um, right. From Sabrina. Sabrina having to do her own hair. Like that hairstyle was something that she did and she has to do and she has to go in early to be able to do that. So um, all those kind of issues that come up being an actor of color in Hollywood... Um, did you guys have any other like thoughts or what were your thoughts reading that? Pretty much the same. Um, I think, you know, Candace has been so outspoken over the years, especially like the last maybe three or four ish um, about what's been going on behind the scenes. And I mean, it continues to be disheartening the fact that she like, now we're learning all of these things that, you know, people pick up on, but now mm-hmm. she's actively confirming them for yes. us. Uh, which is nice for people to know that because, you know, for a long time, it's like, oh, no, you're just exaggerating things. You're being dramatic. It's like, no, right. we're not being dramatic. This is what's actually happening. And we see we've seen that play out, whether it's on screen for screen time for promotional materials. Like how many times have people fought the PR 
people for releasing like I don't know an iris poster or more pictures or not deleting her scenes and all these right. other things so it's like it's nice to have confirmation but it's irritating that seven seasons in you can still sort of feel that it's still there in a way mm-hmm. um and that hasn't completely gone away like you know people are still calling danielle like a co the co female lead i'm like no right right that's not a thing <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i agree with you it's pretty much the same thing i think it's really disheartening to know that she had had to go through all that but at the same time it's really important for her to share her story so that people know yes this is a real thing that happens no the fans or other women who come out with it you know come black women or women of color in the industry that come forward with their stories aren't just making it up right the more people that speak out about it the more solidarity there is and then the more um the other outsiders will be able to recognize it when it's happening and call it out exactly Candace will, if, as long as Candace is speaking up and supporting, we will also be there to support her and other actors of color in Hollywood. Um, moving on, we also got a first look, speaking of The Boys Season 3, we got a first look at Jensen Eccles as Soldier Boy. And we got the blessing from... <laughs> I, like, that was weird. Like, what, what was he blessing? I don't even know. It was you, so you, I, I was like, wait, to wear is, the is color the- green? Is the boys in the Arrowverse? I was so confused. Yeah, he's, he's like, you can, I guess you can wear green, I guess. He's like, on, on Tuesdays, we wear green. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this was about Stephen Amell. I don't know if we mentioned that. But yes, he, he gave the blessing. <laughs> For Soldier Boy or whatever. It's called Soldier Boy, right? Yeah. That is, I which guess. Is, yeah. Which no, is funny, because at this point, Jensen Ackles what, is like Wanted to crank that? Crank that Soldier Boy? <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he does look good. I'm excited. I mean, I mean the boys good. always delivers. Mm-hmm. Haven't then, been mad at them yet for a casting choice. It's so funny because I texted the pic to my brother and the first thing he's like, why is, I thought there would be more red. I'm like, that, is that it? <laughs> 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 but yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Hype for season three. So hopefully we get something more soon. I also yeah, hyped yeah. all of you little Darkling fanatics. Shadow and Bone was renewed for season two. Yay! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's something. In the Spider-Verse, Issa Rae was cast as Spider-Woman for yes. Into the Spider-Verse 2. So that's exciting as well. Love to see it. Jessica Drew, Issa Rae. So all this is stuff that we could be covering in our Patreon, guys, because it has nothing to do with DCTV, but <laughs> it's cool. I want to tell you about it. Um <laughs> Back to DCTV, the Outfronts panel, there's an out, you know, it's June's Pride Month, Happy Pride. Um, the Outfronts did a panel featuring the CW LGBT superheroes on, it was on June the 5th, and it had, um, the panel included Javicia, Kyler, Nicole, and writer, producers, Nancy Q from Legends, and Carl Ogawa from Supergirl. Nice. And then um, Cameron's short, She Dreamed at Sunrise, is to premiere at Tribeca Film Festival on June 19th. Uh, so a little bit more, like, there's a lot of Cam- Cameron's news, because he also, um, this is what I was trying to keep Tati from spoiling, like, the, in our last episode, <laughs> but oh. this show decided to spoil it itself. He is going to become Batwing, and they just released a poster of him in his Batwing suit, which is great. Um, and I think it also coincides with his Batwing short, because I think he announced it on the same day. It's also coming out um, soon for DC Comics. So I think it, I think it was published, right? Because he was holding up. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't, so I don't know if you cool. got like an advanced copy or whatever, but I think it's. Oh, yeah, it could have been a preview. Yeah, because right now they're doing like the DC Pride and, mm-hmm. and Nicole's stories. And yes, that. Yeah, Nicole's, Nicole's stories out. That. Which reminds me, I don't know if we. Um, this is tangentially related to DC. I mean, it is DC, but it's comics. Like you said, in the Pride issue, and the story is also continuing in a weekly run, or sorry, a bi monthly run. There is a new non binary flash. Flash. Yeah. Just Jess Chambers. Chambers. Yeah. So um, that's cool. <laughs> Jesse cool. Quick versus uh, uh, the other Chambers father, but now there's a Jess Chambers. So I'm, I don't actually, I haven't read the story yet. So I don't know what they're like, if they're related to or, or a reinterpretation of, you know? Okay. Um, so, but it sounds cool. And they already have a ship. So, yeah, I'm I saw, most I excited saw because. On yeah. Yes, and Andy. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess I will be reading. There's a romance. <laughs> Here I go. <laughs> So, yeah. so anyway, you can look forward to all of that if you're interested. Um, but moving on to the actual body of this podcast, we are going. We have three shows. We have Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, and The Flash. And we're going to give our joys, no joys, feedback, and a lady with gumption of the week. Tati will be our host for side A, Legends and Batwoman, Empty Promises slash Murder of Crows. Mm, yes, I am your hostess for the mostess. Legends of Tomorrow, The Satanist's Apprentice, directed by Katie Lotz and written by Kato Shimizu and Ray Udenarchit, who are like my two fave Legends writers. That's a lie. Uba is also a favorite Legends writer. So two of my three fave <laughs> Legends writers. <laughs> anyway, uh-huh. at Constantine's Manor, Astra struggles with everyday chores and her racist neighbor, Robert Tress, while Constantine pops in and out without a care in the world. Astra finds Alistair Crowley, an occultist, trapped in a painting who offers to teach her magic in exchange for finding the Fountain of Imperium, which is apparently a source of alien magic that I'm sure will somehow be brought back by the end of the season to help with Sarah. Uh, During an argument with Constantine, Astra gives Crowley control of Constantine's body and then transforms the legends into household objects. She then nearly kills her neighbor for Crowley too, but decides love will heal the world instead. So Crowley betrays her and transforms everyone into cartoon characters. Astra then uses a spell created by her mother, Natalie, to remove all magic, retrapping Crowley and restoring everyone to their bodies, but also depowering Constantine of his magic in the process. This means that he and Astra have to begin from square one, but at least they'll be doing it together. Meanwhile, Sarah meets her kidnapper, Bishop, who created the Ava clones and looks like a major douche nozzle. After healing Sarah, Bishop claims that he that he feels human greed doomed Earth, and he intends to restart humanity using alien DNA. He wants Sarah to teach his, those new proto, never post-humans or whatever, uh, how to use their strengths, but Sarah would rather just escape with Nurse Ava clone. Unfortunately, Nurse Ava clone is a hater and betrays her to Bishop, um who reveals that the pods that he's collected, the pods he had collected their inhabitants' DNA. So he already can use Sarah to help with the future of humanity. Sarah kills Bishop, but surprise, he is not dead. So she wakes up in his lair again. And it starts all over, I guess. What brought joy? Many things. <laughs> I really loved this episode. I think that it was 
such a nice break from all the alien catching Sarah space hopping thing that was going on because that was sort of getting tiring and I felt like Legends was not firing on all cylinders but now this episode you know it was like Legends was back for me this season and it felt really great I love that we got to focus on Astra it's like what has Astra been up to for however long the Legends have been doing whatever they've been doing and how is she like acclimating to human life and it was so nice to see kind of like the day in and day out of her life you know waking up you know being human is not (laughs) fun sometimes and she is used to sort of doing things in a certain way because she's lived so long in hell she was queen there now she has to you know suffer through like i don't know her racist neighbor who's terrible and having to actually have money to buy things and pay the rent and sucky sucky human things (laughs) and i like that it was so focused on her and sort of her relationship with John even because it's like he she lives with him but he's sort of very detached from everything that's happening to her and he's not like paying attention to her so I like that we got how she's been dealing with this on her own and understandably like would want someone to help her out like Crowley offered to so I like that whole idea and concept and how it organically led to the whole you know actual animated princess with you know Beauty and the Beast type <laughs> um, Legends characters trying to help her out with uh, everything and I thought that whole bit was like super cute it didn't last as long as I thought it was gonna but um, I'm sure animation's really expensive but I think it was really well done while it lasted and I love that the whole concept was a spotlight on Astra because I think she's such a great character and um, she did such a great job this episode kind of like learning to come into her own because she has been sort of reliant on other people in the past john um whereas before she sort of had more of her independence and now she's she was relying on crowley and now she's sort of rely having to like rely on herself and i like that journey for her and how it came to be overall i just i even like the fact that the legends weren't even really in this episode that much because you know they've been doing whatever they've been doing and then when they do show up it's like chaos and then there's thrown into the animated world which is uh, again really fun <laughs> it, it really felt like disney i don't know enchanted vibes <laughs> yeah which was really cool and crowley i feel like he was a painting half the time and then he was in constantine's body the other and he was just really really like disturbing and i i like that because we haven't gotten an actual character who's been you know who's been somewhat of a seemed like a threat and this guy really did. Um, and even like, um, what's his face? Matt Ryan's performance as Crowley in his body was well done, as was um, Olivia's. So I think it was just like a solid episode, really fun from start to finish. And it had like all the classic legend stuff that I enjoy, like the ridiculousness, but also a lot of heart. You know, it was funny that reminded me, like we were talking about Crowley, is when I think. Like Asher's like, do you, do you get me? You understand me? And he was like, like the clap, my lady. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> um, I think this might officially be my favorite episode of the season. I love seeing Asher's adaptation in normal life, and I like that it's not a direct pickup from last episode. Like you would expect that we see, you know, the legends, or you know, there is a little bit of like Asher, but most of it's just like from when the legends get there, but this one was in parallel to the 
chronologically the beginning of the season. Um, So I thought that that was that was great. We really get to see like her progression and parallel to what's been happening with like the rest of the legends. And it was not what I was thinking it was going to be because I figured Asher would be like living like a normie, like like you know, getting up and going to work at her job, and then like that. I mean, every stuff that we do is just boring anyway. <laughs> but and then she would get bored and want to go back to being like you know where she was at the Queen of the Underworld. But the reality was like kind of worse because she never even really got out of the house. Like she never got past the house part. Like the house is falling apart. <laughs> mm-hmm. She doesn't have any money, and John doesn't keep food in the house, so she can't go shopping. Um, I don't know how she got clothes in there because I mean, there must have been her mother's clothes or something. I don't know. Right. Um, but she, and she can't even get a job because she's displaced from time. And in the eyes of the government, she's like a 15 year old minor. So <laughs> like all of this kind of stuff is like keeping her from actually starting a life. And John is just not around. Doesn't pay his bills. Is an absentee guardian. And so, you know, and then top it all off, her neighbor's racist. So all of this kind of shit um, is, like, going on at the same time. And I thought it was a really honest take on what someone like Asher would have to go through. Um, not even just, like, someone <laughs> coming from hell. But also just, you know, I guess if you would say, like, if she was, like, in, in witness protection or, or whatever, where, like, her identity has to be, like, removed, she has to, like, start from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a really nice, interesting look at how hard it is for her, especially without John's help, like John not assisting at all. Right. Um, it made it very believable why she would want to lean on Crowley and switch them out and just like have John like sit in the corner for a minute. Um, so she can learn something like skills. And this is not like she is just like expecting stuff to like fall on her lap. Like she's like, I want to work, but I can't work. So, you know, there's all this kind of stuff that's going on. Um, I really love the animation. Like you said, you know, it was short, but it was very, very good. Um, it did not disappoint at all. I felt it was like Beauty and the Beast slash Princess and the Frog slash Cinderella. <laughs> all these kind of vibes. The legends as inanimate objects were great. Like when I was watching it, I saw when she changed them all, but I couldn't like remember where they were like standing. So I just saw like a bunch of objects. Ava as a binder was like immediate for me (laughs) and then like zari as like the flip phone was easy to to figure out and i was like who is the cheese i was like well nate's kind of cheesy so that i guess yeah that should be (laughs) rod's always lit so that makes sense and i thought spooner i don't know because i feel like these are asterisk things what she thinks of of them and how she like identifies them and so maybe she just to remember like which colory spooner was. <laughs> she made her a fork. <laughs> but I thought right, it was cute. right. <laughs> um, all of that was great. Um, the fact that I like, well, obviously I like that John apologized and then recognized that he should have been around more um, to help her, and that they get to like, kind of start at the same pace again. So that would be mm. very, you know growing together and him being more of a mentor than he was originally. And then with, even with Sarah's arc, I felt like it was interesting what we got of her. I thought she had a pretty big story for Katie to also be directing the episode. I'm like, wow, you're in this a lot. (laughs) But um, I thought we got some good movement on Bishop. And I like that it pulled from 
previous seasons because we have Return of the Ava Clones. And now we know who made the Ava Clones. And you're kind of getting more story about what he is trying to accomplish. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if we get more of a full circle kind of thing with like the legends is more linear than we expected it to be with like pulling back from different. Well, Cause and it's kind of interesting because the legends are out of time. Right. And the mm-hmm. Ava clones are like 2040. So and right now we're still in 2020. So, you know, just it, it could all make sense some kind of way. <laughs> so, and oh, I also liked, I thought it was funny that, um, the nurse Ava was such a huge fan of Wynonna Earp. <laughs> oh yeah, and- <laughs> that was like season two is when it really gets good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they have like what fifteen, eleven seasons. Like wow, it's <laughs> for a long time of year. Um, <laughs> when sadly uh, in real life it just yes, ended. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so it's a nice, a nice alternate universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, sorry, is that all? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I, I pretty much agree with you. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's, like, my favorite episode this season, but I thought it was really well-constructed. I was really happy with it, especially after the kind of, like, you know, four lines all waiting episode uh, last week. It was last week, the Bay of Squids, right? Where, like, everyone's just, like, doing everything, but, like, nothing, we don't really know what's going on. <laughs> it was nice to see that there's, like, a really technically two like straightforward storylines going on in this episode we got to spend a lot of time with astra and then you know also a a decent amount of time with sarah in order to know what is going on but with astra especially since we've been missing her for so much of the season it was nice to really catch up with what she's been doing and how she's been doing it and why it's not just all roses when you step out into the real world because a lot of times people are like, okay, it's time for me to go, you know, spread my wings now. And they go do it off screen. And then they just come back and they're like, well, that was great. I've done it. I've changed or whatever, you know, and you don't really get to see the process. And here we see, like you said, when, <laughs> when a girl who's been trapped in hell and had to work her way up literally in hell uh, is then set free, just, you know, just let loose on the world in like the 1800s in England without any guardian or person to help her understand how to live that life. And also she's black, so they're racist. Obviously things are not going to just be super easy. And she just wasn't given any magic or she doesn't have any A, know-how, or B, like you said, ability to really get out there and start her life. It would have made so much more sense if they just dropped her off in 2020 with someone they know who could then get her a fake ID. But clearly they just didn't think it through. They're like, here you go, John's house in the olden days. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, I really liked, I really liked her, uh, her storyline and I liked the animation was used sparingly, right? It was just for like that big part because I think that, um, when they first brought up that there was going to be like an animated episode, I thought it was going to be the whole thing. I thought they'd just be trapped in animation world and then the whole episode would just be. So, um, and that could ease, that could get old easily. Like, obviously, Legends loves doing that, and we love watching it. But if there isn't a purpose for it, then it's just like it's just a gimmick for that episode. I think um, even the puppets wasn't like the whole episode; it was like part right. of it. Right. And so I love when they find it. Like, it's literally just like this is one thing that happens in the plot, and it's just like one thing that happened in. Like, they could have done a whole episode of them being, you know, utensils or objects or whatever. 
but instead it was like one of the many phases they went through in the uh, magical process, which is great. Um, so what am I saying with my life? Uh, anyway, <laughs> I really liked that. I liked, <laughs> I liked that we got to see sort of Astra as like the Disney princess of that story who then has to like save us from the beast. And I like how ob- it was like super obvious that Alistair is evil, but at the same time, it's like super easy to understand why Astro would want to work with him. So it's like telegraphing how the story and is evil's going not to go. necessarily a no-go for her anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's very true. Very true. That's not a deal breaker. But it's but it's like super easy to telegraph where the story is going to go for her when she meets that painting or um, portrait or whatever. But then at the same time, you're like, okay, but you know, what other options does she have? Right? Of course, she's got to take this 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 um, this uh, out right now. Um, so yeah. Also, um, what is your name? Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan did a great job with um, Alistair as John. It was a lot of fun. Um, like you already mentioned, the clap line was hilarious too. So Alistair is just like a fun villain, but also like because he's a um, preying on a very real and understandable insecurity that Astra is feeling right now. It's like this could take us down a dark path. Plus, she is, like you said, someone who is not ha- doesn't have a problem messing around with evil. So, so you could very well be concerned about how far this is going to go or how long it will last. And yet they believably pulled it back into like, oh, family bonding by the end of the episode with John's apology. And now they have, they have to work together because neither of them have powers. So I thought that was like a really nice way to reset their relationship without feeling like it was, I don't know, a cop out. Uh, because it was kind of weird when she just went off at the beginning of the season when he's literally his whole life has been about or his whole life since she died has been about <laughs> getting her back from hell. So so just kind of like, OK, well, here's a new John that doesn't care about Astra anymore. Congratulations. Um, and then no, not us not getting to see where Astra is was was very, very strange to me. So I'm glad, I'm glad that we're actually getting a real storyline for them and we're going to get to see them kind of rebuild their story from scratch. Um, aside from that, mm, yay for knowing who our big bad of the season is. I feel like there have been lots of seasons where we just have not known until like two episodes before the end. So at least now we know <laughs> halfway through and we can, and uh, we'll be able to see more um, of Bishop's ploys i guess there you go what did not spark joy <laughs> speaking of bishop um <laughs> at first <laughs> at first when he showed up maybe a couple episodes ago i was like oh i'm so intrigued who is this man bun dude just hanging around space but now that i know that what his plan is i feel underwhelmed <laughs> yeah and I just feel like in an episode dedicated to Astra and with Katie directing, I don't even understand why we picked up with Sarah in the way that we did. Like, especially since we were like with, with Astra, time was passing versus, you know, Sarah was stuck in the same place where we left her last time. So I feel like they could have just waited another episode to include all of this, and Especially also since she's like directing, like yeah, exactly, big plot. Oh well, what yeah. I was gonna say was she was barely in the last episode, right? Yeah, she was. Barely so in I think the that last was like episode. that was like the prep week. So I guess it makes sense, or like it makes 
it's easier to be on screen when you're directing than to be on screen when you're prepping to direct. There we go. Okay. <laughs> you're like, whatever, Tatiana. Well, I was like, well, I mean, Danielle's not usually much in her episodes, but then, you know, there could be a, just different levels of acting there, too, so. Yes, there could be. There could be. <laughs> Very true. But yeah, but like, I, I'm... I don't I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the whole alien thing, the this diabolical plan to turn pe- people to like experiment on people and use some people's superior DNA um, like to do it. Yeah, so I'm like mm, I don't I don't really know about this. So I was less invested in that part of the storyline versus with Astra stuff because it just, like, every time we popped back with Sarah and Bishop, I was like, oh, it took me out. <laughs> I was like, right. oh, we're back here again. Um, and I think that, you know, it was, like, sweet that Sarah, you know, for a moment we thought that she got through to clone Ava. But I don't know. I feel like the clone part's cool, but it's also been overplayed. Um, primarily because I only like our Ava now. <laughs> right, right. The other ones. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do with that. And also, just John <laughs> kind of being the worst in this episode because he was a very negligent man, um, not paying attention, just doing his own thing. Um, he did come in and you know give up his powers, which is good, but it didn't have to get to that point if he had just been paying attention. So. Yeah, like that hindsight is like twenty twenty, but it just made me view John in like a worse light, to be honest. Um, because like Tati said, like a huge part of his entire like character is saving Astra from hell because it's his fault that she's down there, and like you know, a whole part of his like journey has been re- redeeming himself through saving her. But now that she's out, he has spent like little time actually preparing her and how to like rehabilitate rehabilitates normal life and he was just too horny for Zari to (laughs) care at various points it's like how do you not like I don't know it's just very like weird how you know you you don't keep up with your own house he doesn't pay his bills he you know his house is in disrepair and how was he expecting her to function or, you know, he didn't show her what, you know, he's like, oh, no, you can't use magic. Magic is dangerous, love. But you won't show me anything else. So what else is she supposed to do? So it took him, you know, a while to get his shit together. <laughs> Glad he got there in the end. But it just did not make him seem, you know, seeing it on the front end with him, you know, with his, like, relationship with Zari. I'm like, you had other important things that you should have been worried about at this point. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like he thought his debt was paid once she was no longer in hell. Like he just like cleaned his hands of it. And that's just like not the best version of John. So mm. glad that was short lived. Um, I agree with you about like Bishop. I feel like it's, it feels like such like an Elon Musk. <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> villain thing and now do. Jeff Bezos is like, I'm yes, going to go to space. You're just like, I'm going to go to space. Space is weird. They are like one step. Bishop is like one step ahead of them because he's already in space. Like this is this could be reality. This is where all they're they're all heading out there, and they're going to take like DNA samples from people and build their own people in space. Like I I guarantee you, 
the next step they want to do is become a god. So it, it's a little bit corny that this is the villain and that his purpose for capturing Sarah is for her to be some kind of like secret dojo master. It's kind of like, oh, I don't know. I hope you got some other things up your sleeves. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Also, I thought it was just like, I would have rather just stayed with Astra. I, I felt like it was, even as a B plot, um, there was a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't necessarily meaty enough to be the B plot. There was a lot of it that, like, a couple of those scenes were kind of the same theme. So I was like, we know. We know. Oh, she's betraying you. Oh, she's not betraying you. She's betraying you again. You've been betrayed. Yeah. So, and half um, the time I was like, Bishop, Bishop. Is that supposed to strike in like yeah. a thought? I'm like, wait, is this someone important? No, it's just I'm like a random dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I too thought that like this is coming from somewhere before, right? It's like, is this it's... supposed to be like some kind of chess piece or no? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, I agree with what what everything you guys said. Like, um, although I mean, I feel I feel like <laughs> I was like, I don't feel like John would do this. So I felt it hurt me on John's behalf, but given that he did, given that he did do it, they wrote it that way, <laughs> I do agree that I was like, okay, well, thanks, John. Um, so it, it did kind of make him seem like callous, or at least, at the very least, we know now that he's just functionally useless with, if it doesn't have to do with magic, right? And I guess we've always known that he's a little bit like... Like, he just assumes that everyone, like, cares about the things that he cares about, or if he doesn't care about it, or he's not thinking about it, then no one needs to be thinking about it, right? So he's like, well, I get by just fine, because I just snap my fingers and things happen, so I'm sure Astro will be fine, moving on, <laughs> kind of thing. So, like, I guess it makes sense, but at the same time, I was, like, it was frustrating to watch it play out, until they made up at the end, and things were resolved, and hopefully Astra now has, like, bills, and, or, you know money for bills and food for the refrigerator and a job. I don't know. We'll see. Or at least she'll have the magic to make Doctor Who papers so that they'll let her in anywhere and <laughs> let her work where she needs to. Um, so anyway, aside from that, um, yeah, I I don't care about other Avas. <laughs> I don't care about Nurse Ava or any other Ava that's not our Ava. And I would like them to find Sarah already. I would like the isolation to stop. You know I what? Don't... Mm-hmm. I don't know if um, I don't know how I feel about the the Ava clones because like Sarah was on this kick of like you can change Nurse Ava, you can have your own thoughts and feelings, and I'm just like, wasn't the point of our Ava supposed to be that she's like the unique special snowflake? So <laughs> if they're all unique special snowflakes, does like that diminish our Ava or I don't know no because even identical twins are different Jessica but they even... also persuaded by Sarah, Sarah <laughs> Lance, exactly I guess. Sarah just has a it's, it's kind of like Barry and all the alternate universe irises it's just me and you babe and all your clones <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree that I mean actually you know here's one thing like this was maybe the first Sarah episode without Gary I think oh, maybe, yeah. and yes, yes. he adds so much without Gary there. I was like, when will it end? So, um, <laughs> isn't that just, interesting? <laughs> <laughs> it might be the first time that Gary's ever heard that. So, like, it would have been funnier if, for example, like this time around, 
it was like Gary was there and he could get through to Ava, you know, like Sarah couldn't, but Gary could. That would be that would make there you go. That would make Ava different. <laughs> this Ava different from our Ava. <laughs> they think twist. Gary is cool. Obviously, she's a weirdo. <laughs> so anyway, that's all. Otherwise, it was a really good episode. So I'm not like mad. Anyway, uh, um, feedback. Yes, we have feedback from Shang and Suara. And I will pull it up. Shang says, hey there, lovely ladies. I stand Nurse Ava. I want a Nurse Ava. Ava being a binder, <laughs> Nate being a cheese because he's cheesy, and Pichad being a candle because he's always getting lit. Zari is a flip phone. I was, oh, I forgot to, uh, I like that Zari was offended that she was a flip phone. <laughs> I thought that was funny. She wasn't an iPhone. She was just like a, a Motorola, Motorola laser, razor. So that a was good funny. phone, Zari. A good phone. It was a good time. phone for its time. Yes. <laughs> well, Zari being a flip phone because she's an influencer, but why was Spooner a fork and not a spoon? Um, important questions. He says, I really love the details in the animated scenes. It's so cute. And after having to sing, I loved it so much. The animators really went off. Tala's husband is such a hunk. Is he her husband? Is that is the actor her husband? See, I don't think he's. I don't. I didn't think she was married. I, I do not know this. Is it is it her husband in your mind, <laughs> Shang, or like her fiance? We need confirmation, please. We need to know details. <laughs> I have to Google it. Um, Google it. He says he looks way better with a beard, though. I kind of wanted Bishop to be more serious. I'm not gonna lie, he's. Turned out to be such a prancer. I know it's legends, but at the same time, I kind of wish they made Bishop seem more evil. I think the team themselves have the comedic dynamic down. They can afford to have a dead serious kind of villain. Really loved Astra's development, and I'm glad they gave her a solo episode. Bailey really acted her. Bailey. Olivia? Bailey. Olivia. Yeah, Olivia Bailey. Oh, let me get this straight. Tala Ash married the guy who played the lamest and most forgettable villain ever on Vampire Diaries. So I guess that, yes, she is married. Okay. Oh. So now we know. That was not my opinion, by the way. I read that off Reddit. Yes, I see that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I assume he's the guy from the Vampire Diaries? Then? Yes, he played Marco on Vampire Diaries. Interesting. I had no idea. Um. Anyway, uh, actor asked how long with Matt. It was so good. Do you think Bishop sent our Ava to find Sarah? See, that's interesting. Perhaps Bishop sold our Ava to Rip and played the long game. Maybe Ava was supposed to eventually capture Sarah and bring her to Bishop. And seeing how that has changed, maybe Bishop would create Sarah clones instead in season six. You know, I, you know, like I, robot. Oh, okay. Like, commas, where are the pauses? You know, like I, robot, the newer versions destroyed the older models. And we get a clone war. Insert Star Wars references. That's a good theory, Shang. Um, and then also he's like, ladies, princess and the frog, princess and the fork, Spooner's Astra's frog. Okay, it's almost 3 a.m. Going back to sleep. Thank ah, you. Sh- I support Shang's ability to make a ship out of everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have Swara, who says, hello, ladies. Legends this week was overall fantastic. I love Asher's storyline and how she's taking a slower approach to be part of the team, as makes sense for her reserved character, as Lydia said. I felt like, oh, and Suara is like the um, insider <laughs> and Legends PR, because he's getting like all the interviews. Yeah. Interview Olivia. 
Um, he said, I also felt like this episode was really good psychological exploration of that, exploring how her experiences in hell have affected her ability to ease into regular human society. Olivia was amazing in her performance, and particularly in her scenes with Matt Ryan, who, by the way, also did an amazing job playing someone possessed by an evil spirit. I love the princess sequence. I thought Olivia and the other Legends cast members did a great job at making fun of this genre with love and respect for the art form. It's clear the production team put a lot of work into it. I love that Astra is now going to be a magic user with Constantine and going to be uh, with Constantine as her mentor. It makes so much sense for her, and I can't wait to see her on the Wave Rider properly. The Sarah plot was fine and intriguing for what it would build, but I honestly was much more invested in Astro's main plot. Looking forward to next week. And I forgot, this reminds me, I forgot something that I wanted to put in my dislikes. I disliked the fact that Astra had to, they did, they did like the whole, this is the best that Legends could do with a BLM storyline. <laughs> like, there is no way to make that kind of like, right, Legends tonally, other than to give her this racist neighbor. But I don't, I didn't like that she had to go the route of, you know, when they go low, we go high and yeah, right. save his life. Like, fuck that, man. <laughs> and I was rooting for her to throw him out the window. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, the legends kind of like rallied, but I didn't like that they were like, come on, Astra, you just got out of hell. Do you really want to do this? Kind of thing. I didn't like that. Right. Just let, if someone, you know, if you're not going to stop him being racist, then just don't. Let him anything. die. Let him die. <laughs> let him die. <laughs> Use it for something more productive. Okay, that's it. I support you. <laughs> uh, all right, so do we have predictions? I think Shang had a good one. I like that one. Yeah, I, I also support this prediction. I root for Shang as well because I have nothing. Aww. <laughs> um, okay, then. So we, we like Shang's prediction. We're moving on with that. Uh, I guess in that case, we're just going to go on to our next show, which is... Batwoman! <clears throat> Armed and Dangerous. Directed by Holly Dale. Written by Nancy Q. Oh, Nancy That's Q. That's it, yeah. Was I, on. I said yep. she was on Legends, but I meant yep. Batwoman. Sorry. The lies, Jessica tells! <laughs> <laughs> As Luke is rushed to the hospital, Tavaroff claims to have seen him holding a gun and later produces a doctored video showing this as proof. Many many. I can't read either. Mary prepares a dose of Desert Rose to save him and eventually ropes her and Kate's old friend Evan Blake Wolf Spider. I can't remember why the name is Wolf Spider, but it is. Into sneaking into the hospital to administer it when the crows prevent her from entering his room. Batwoman interrogates Eli and then Tavaroff. The Tavaroff's confederates rescue him by hitting her with a car. At Sophie's urging, Jacob confronts and suspends Tavaroff, whereupon he is assaulted and nearly killed via snakebite by his own crows. Oh, the irony. Until Batwoman saves him and reminds him to just be a good dude. Sometimes you should be a good person. So Jacob publicly announces that he's suspending the crows and shares the truth about what really happened to Luke. Finally! The evil is defeated. (laughs) Yes, on so many levels. As Jacob leaves, Kate tells him, Kate. Alice tells him about what really happened with Kate and proposes they work together to save her. And I this wasn't in the recap, but this is after she and Ocean argue like ten times about whether or not she should save Kate. And he's like, but I love you, and therefore you shouldn't, because she sucks. And then <laughs> Alice is like, but if you love me, then you want me to have everything that I want to have, and that is Kate. And then Ocean, I guess, agreed, because they made out. So that's just how all the arguments <laughs> Meanwhile, Luke hallucinates seeing his father, Lucius, 
um, in Bruce's office. And Bruce is telling him, you have to decide whether you're going to continue living, in which case you just go and you don't get to see your dad for reasons, or you join your dad in the afterlife and then y'all can have a nice chat. And Luke is like, I just really want to die because the world <laughs> is so shitty. I want to do that. But Mary and Ryan would not let him live. So they made him move. <laughs> <laughs> and what brought you joy? Um, well, I think this is like another really strong episode for Batwoman. Um, I really liked that Ryan and Mary were like quick on the action. We got it to save Luke. We have to get him justice. They wasted no time in pulling into their strengths. Um, you know, Ryan going knocking heads and Mary, you know, being having like the forethought to like go to the cave for the Desert Rose because that will mm. obviously like save his life. So I, I like how quick they were in figuring out. Um, you know, where they needed to go and how to get justice for Luke. Um, I really enjoyed Ryan knocking out Eli, the car thief, because like, fuck him for not thinking <laughs> he was a part of the problem. Like, it was so frustrating that he was just like, well, if he would have just left me alone and steal the car, blah, 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 blah. It's not my fault he got shot. So I, I really like that she knocked him out because it is mm-hmm. your fault. You are part of the problem. You are not an ally. Um, and it's just kind of like very um, indicative of like white people that only want to be an ally when it's like convenient for them. But if you make it feel uncomfortable for them, then they're just like, well, I'm just not going to be an ally anymore. So you need to like be nice to me and I'll be nice to you. And it's like, it's not, that's not really how activism or allyship works. Um, so yeah. Um, I also, I felt bad that Ryan like was blaming herself for Luke getting shot um, but I, I like that it, it was a little bit iffy for a minute because she like, when Sophie was in her eyes, I'm like, Oh my God, here we go. <laughs> but they kind of like, um, glazed over that enough so that it didn't ruin the Sophie Ryan relationship that they just started building. Um, they did actually, you know, like Ryan, um, didn't fully like attack Sophie. She was had more of like a vulnerable moment. And so she and Sophie got to bond a little bit and kind of like come together and come up with a plan. Um, so that, that was not as bad as it could have been between them, if, especially if Sophie had still been a crow. So small blessings. Um, I obviously really liked Sophie. I'm sorry, Ryan, like kicking crow ass, like, you know, as many crows as you can kick, I support it. Um, so I like all of that in the outside, in the real world. And then in the purgatory, or I don't know if this is like Luke's like medium place. <laughs> I liked that seeing his dad and, um, you know, his conversation with Bruce about what happened to him. I thought, I thought bringing Bruce back in this scenario was a smart choice, um, narratively and logistically, because like narratively, it kind of reminds the audience that, you know, from the beginning of the episode, there's this whole... Bruce disappeared. Where did he go? Why did he go? And so this is kind of like bringing it back that we don't really know the reason behind Bruce's disappearance. Like, is he dead? Like Luke is, you know, like, are you dead? Or is Luke just projecting him? Um, could, we could be going like different ways. So it kind of keeps like the speculation alive about what has actually happened to Bruce. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but then also just logistically, we have Bruce, um, a casting for him. We don't have a casting for Lucius and it's in the middle of COVID 
and potentially this is the only time we're going to see him for a while and we're only seeing the back of his head so it doesn't really make sense to like do a whole casting thing for him and you can't really have Luke move on or have this conversation with the back of Lucius's head so it made sense just logistically to have someone that we already have casted play and fill in that role and I think Bruce was still like a good one because you know he's he's kind of like helping Luke guide himself through what has happened and the choices that he needs to make so I like that although like the back of Lucius's head looks like Joe Morton like Papa Pope <laughs> so, to me. so like if we do get more Lucius flashbacks you know where we can get Lucius and Bruce he'd be my casting choice for that I think that'd be amazing so just throwing it out there um, and I also like that this medium place allowed Luke to be more present in the episode than I thought he was going to be because he was basically in unconscious for the whole episode. So um, without this, we wouldn't be able to see his point of view and have him right. still present. So I like that we got this part. I really empathize with his like frustration and wanting to just like check out from participating in in just the world in general not any kind of like sometimes you just don't want to deal <laughs> with like the world and and everything is just like um out of your control and you just don't want to like participate so i i definitely empathize with that i was not expecting him to choose not to go back though like you know right. upset and and frustrated yes but i didn't i didn't expecting to be like you know what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go ahead. i'm not gonna do it <laughs> so <laughs> i thought that was i thought that was really sad and he didn't want to go back but because of the desert rose um and the fact that he kind of waited too long in purgatory to make his decision it made it for him so he's kind of forced to go back so you know coming into the the new episode i'm sure like ryan and sophie are just gonna be and and mary gonna be overjoyed that he's back and really happy and so then but we know that he's also like struggling in the fact that he didn't want to come back so it's, i feel like it's a really good right. setup for his character arc and now because now he has a story he hasn't really had one before so it was a really good strong narrative choice um that sets up to batwing which we already know that he's gonna become now which i guess you know it makes it better for us watching knowing that there's going to be a light at the end of this tunnel um mm -hmm. instead of just like oh my god he wanted to die <laughs> you know so that was great <laughs> and then um the finally on the alice i, I like that she was still on the alice um save kate train and that she was not deterred um and jacob aside um i like that she told somebody that kid is alive because it's really going to push that part of the story forward now. Um, and then the only good thing that Jacob did was finally dismantle the fucking crows. And that's it. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Jacob. Yes, indeed. He finally did something decent in his life um, that we could applaud for two seconds. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with all of this. I really thought that this episode was a strong one like it was also very emotional um you know there was i worried that they wouldn't do it properly after like what happened at the end of the last episode they would just kind of like drop the ball but i'm really proud of i feel like really proud of that woman i don't know um they've come a long way and like this episode the, the writing's just been really outstanding and it was like a interesting way to you know critique the 
the whole system while also not actually like using the crows as a place for placeholder for the actual cops and they mm. were the actual cops of Gotham City really um so i liked all of that stuff that was going on with regards to how you know they could doctor a video to make it look like luke was actually holding a gun when he wasn't and how the crows basically spun their own story about what happened and also how you know they were in charge of getting things out to the media and how like the press reacted and immediately started you know digging up things on luke to make him look like the bad guy or whatever so all Uh of that stuff was really great and you know very reflective of the real world and it was really nice like jess said you know to see what was going on with luke because they could have just left him in a coma for the whole episode and just be done with it but they actually we actually got a little bit more of his perspective and I guess his spiritual growth <laughs> in this case, um, because we don't really get a lot of insight into what's going on with Luke. And it was nice to actually have a moment with him where he gets uh. to see not only his dad, but also a mentor and someone he called a friend from before, even if it was just in his own mind. Um, and I like the definitely like the conversation with him and Bruce and even like the tease. I was like, wait, does this confirm Bruce is dead? No, he's not dead. <laughs> so i was going back and forth the whole time so that was kind of fun um and also just like you know you said just like they already have warren christie in this role and it's nice that they brought him back because he only had he didn't really feel like he didn't really get to live his yeah i feel like his his arc was cut short because of like ruby yeah so getting to see him again was a nice surprise and like also brings hope that we will see him again some at some point in the future um and just even the fact that they brought back what's his face the burglar guy that they met at the art show Will Spider I miss yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Will Spider yeah. see him again and yeah like, mm-hmm. yeah so he was great and all that you know, Mary even like playing the the role of you know or she's rather she's trying to uh, keep the crows occupied while he sneaks in and gives because yeah, uh, I was Desiree. like why would he why would he be like a, a guy to help but like. He also got he got ran over by the crows, so he has like a bone to pick too. Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> so everyone's swimming up against the crows. It is beautiful and it's great. And I love the fact too that Sophie, you know, continues to to take charge. She takes the lead. She's working with Ryan. Ryan's working with her. There's no bad blood between them. And I just love like their journey over the course of these several episodes. I think it's been so um organic from the fact that, you know, where it started as sort of Ryan making her the enemy and then uh. developing it into this really great friendship where they can actually trust each other and where Ryan, you know, she knows Ryan is Batwoman and, you know, they're actually working together to do something good. So love that. And I even love, I think with Sophie's speech about how like she, they tried to like the crows have been messed up for a long time and how she even, tried to do something about it but like nothing's been done ever since they found out like the corruption about what happened with lucius fox and one of the crows last season nothing nothing happened nothing like all the stuff that they've been trying to do with luke nothing's gonna change so something else has to happen because the you know reform is not going to work so love that defund the police (laughs) vibes right there yeah um yeah, so it was just a really strong episode overall, and I like all the emotional beats that we got. I like all the character development that we got. I like that they wrapped up the story in a way that 
wasn't it wasn't like they didn't go the corny route they didn't try to like be preachy about any of it it just felt like a sort of a natural extension of the story that they've been telling all season um yeah i definitely agree with that i like you said i'm i'm proud of that woman for how they've handled this storyline and like it was a little bit iffy like it could have gone either way at the end of last episode and now we're really getting to see that there was some like real um you know analysis of investigation into the crows and just how far people in power will go to keep themselves in power to protect themselves to to further victimize victims by making them out to be the criminals instead right just in order to continue pushing their own agenda and as you guys were talking i was thinking that this you know maybe they could go that far because it is the crows right it's not actually the police department of whatever so like that's like one good reason to have for it like we've always been like why do we have this instead of the police but i guess you can really just show how corrupt an organization like that is because it's privatized because you can then have the plausible deniability of being like oh that's just the crows i'm not saying anything about cops GCPD. <laughs> yeah exactly i'm not talking about the gcpd what are you talking about um <laughs> so 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 like even though obviously it would be probably just better and smoother and <laughs> whatever if it really was the police department because that's real life at least this way we're getting to see real life reflected or and questioned even if it's if there's a veil of whatever protection behind it if you will speaking of protection i'm glad i the part that i liked because i was a little bit iffy on that position which we'll talk about later but when ryan and sophie were you know talking about what happened with luke um i liked that that it was once again brought up, you know, like how, like, or even the fact that Ryan questioned, like, how much have you known, right? What was the line where you've stopped? Like, if you, if you know how to, how to now, um, get around what they've done, like, so easily, it came to you so easily, is that because previously you've been on the other side of it, you know? Oh, yeah. N- not that I think Sophie has, but that she can knows, knows how far they can go. And yet it's taken until now for her to step down. Because even like the best, you know, whenever you're like, oh, well, there's good cops, but even they are, even if they don't want to be complicit in some way in the system. And it's really hard to some, tear systems down sometimes, you know, like obviously it does often take much more than just one person. But if every person st- stands up, then you've got much more than just one person, right? You've got lots of people standing up. So I like, I like that kind of aspect of it. And that even, you know, when one person saying Jacob tried to stand up and be like, okay, well, I guess I'm firing you. <laughs> they tried to kill him. So, <laughs> so it can be there. There's, there can be pushback at every level <laughs> when you try to do the right thing. But if you do, <laughs> then maybe Batwoman will come and help you. So you should try it anyway. <laughs> um, I guess is the moral of the story. I also liked the, um, have getting to see Luke in his weird, you know, purgatory that is <laughs> the Wayne building. So like Luke, you need a life. It's what like he, he never left the building in his, <laughs> exactly. in his actual life. <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, Luke, I'm so sorry. My little meow Some meow. exists <laughs> out there somewhere. Exactly. At least now he can like, go out and experience it. Get right. The Wayne Tower. Exactly. Now he'll be vigilanteing on the streets and he'll probably yeah. know what life is like. Um but yeah, like you guys said, it was a great use of um uh, Bruce again, nice to see him, and also buying time to not have to cast our Lucius yet, um, but suggesting that we might get to see Lucius in the future, right? If they're like, okay, hey, we've introduced the concept of Lucius right there, you know, 
something that Luke is, it's unfinished for Luke. Um, so hopefully that means we're going to get some closure for him in the future. Because they could have just as easily had it just be Bruce and Luke, because Luke's non-life <laughs> has been made up of Bruce, you know, be like, oh, Bruce, are you dead? Well, come find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been just. Come <laughs> die, you'll see. So anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, I like that we got to see his thought process, and that even though it was really painful, like it's understandable that he would have reached that point after what happened, because he's always lived his life right, <laughs> and yes, and even still, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So uh, my poor, my poor little meow meow, I will protect you. Or at least your Batwing suit will protect you in the near future. Um, also, I did like... <laughs> I liked Alice and Ocean's just petty arguments about what she should be doing. And, I, I, and you know, it is true love, I guess. Because him <laughs> having, having like, <laughs> exploded her plans right there. She would have just fucking murdered him like Mouse. If it had been the <laughs> Alice of last season. Or if it was not true love. And so instead, she's like, you dipshit. You should just love all my crazy plans. And then he was like... Let's make out. <laughs> so, um, I didn't think it was funny when she was like, You should run, seeing as who you kill. And he's like, He didn't realize that he killed the Riddler's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Mm, I'm oh, yeah, and confirmation, I guess, that she is the Riddler's daughter. Yeah. Right? Well, that, and hopefully that, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that play out, which I'm sure it, it will. Won't. <laughs> oh, um, well, you so. think so? Okay. Well, I think it will. I think it okay. will play out. Okay, Maybe okay. we won't see the Riddler, but someone will come and try and kill them for killing the Riddler's sure. daughter. Will he not want, yeah, revenge for yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I did, I did, I did enjoy that because I thought like Alice had a really good argument there, you know? <laughs> if you really love me <laughs> love me and all crazy. of my crazy <laughs> exactly you must be fucking crazy and therefore you should accept that i want my sister back <laughs> anyway um and like you said i also like that she roped jacob in on it because uh who is more in who would be more invested and also not have anything left to lose at this point right because you could try to get mary but mary has a lot of things to lose if that does not pan out but well, well she, I guess she's like been there, done that. <laughs> right. So he's like, we tried this last time. <laughs> it did not go out. It did not go well. Um, whereas Jacob is just crazy enough at this point that he might be like, you know what? All right, let's let's try. Let's try. Um, so yeah, overall, really good episode. Um, firing on all cylinders. You know, snaps for Batwoman. What did not spark joy? I didn't even put Sophie talking to Jacob in my likes because it just really pisses me off. That it took Sophie telling him to open his eyes for Jacob to consider the fact that Tavaroff was lying to him. I think it's just ridiculous even for Jacob. You've known Luke Fox for years. Luke has worked for his nephew, Bruce. He's close friends with two of his three daughters. And yet, like, when Tavaroff suggests that one, Luke tried to steal a car, two, was aggressive, and three, had a gun, Jacob's just like, hmm, sounds legit. Like, you know, the other white dudes... In the office, they were like, yes, Tavaroff, I think you are correct. Um, they, he were, there was no pushback. He didn't try to, like, get the the body cam footage before it was doctored. Um, it's just like he cared so much more about the crows and his own business, which, by the way, murdered Luke's father. So you owe Luke just off the get-go, off the fact that you're organization is the one that took his father from him and you still have not made that right 
and but you still care more about your organization than protecting Luke's life. And the fact that he authorized Crows to guard Luke's room at the hospital with the intention to charge him with Grand Theft Auto if and when he woke up, like he deserves that attempted coup d'etat. Like, (laughs) (laughs) fuck Tavaroff, fuck Jacob even more. You deserve that, you know, to be beat up and and almost like, you know, overdosed to death. Um, And Alice, Alice deserves rights for saying her father should die. Like, I think she should deserve that. Um, So, yeah, yeah. he should. He should. Yeah. She died. <laughs> she made me laugh when she's like, "How have you even survived this long?" Yeah, Crows garage can't even have. Isn't the, that is that is a here. good point? That was a great point because she has broken into that garage. She's broken yes. into it with Julia. She's broken into it for Sophie. <laughs> Sophie's sister has broken into that garage. Like, how many people have you know? The only place that the crows do not protect is the garage. Maybe people should just stay there and they won't get killed by the crows. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but just like. <laughs> The audacity of Tavaroff to just lie like that and just like it it didn't even take any kind of hesitation. Like, oh shit, I shot like there was no like, oh shit, I shot shot someone. It was like he was a criminal because he came out of like the he was released from jail earlier for he doesn't know what, but you know, it was just so easy for him to lie. And then uh, double down that lie by doctoring footage to put a gun in his hands. Uh-huh. And it's just like the caucasity. <laughs> to think that he could get away and wave away any kind of suspicion by just him. Like, at that point, like him and Eli, they're like two sides of the same fucking coin. With Eli being like the fake ally and then Tavarov being like the, the undercover hood using the same kind of logic that you know because Luke was there he was guilty or you know because he did this he probably deserved it all that kind of like just making up stuff to fit their narrative of why they are not at fault for Luke being shot um so all of the white men can choke <laughs> in this episode understandably yeah. so yes yes i agree Completely. I mean, like, you hit the nail on the head. I think that (laughs) to even, like, applaud Jacob for doing the bare minimum, really, of dismantling his whole organization, which has clearly been trash, as this episode and several episodes have already pointed out for years. (laughs) The cocktail, (laughs) like, being like Catherine Hamilton was the worst. I know. It's, (laughs) It's just like his... Excuse me, his anger like never made any sense to me. I feel like his anger is always misplaced. And it's just, I don't know if it's just like, maybe I'm giving him too much credit here with the writing, that it's just, uh, he doesn't know where to aim it. So he just puts it out there for, you know, whoever happens to be in his way. But yeah, it's super ridiculous that he would go, like, like you said, you know, he lo- he knows Luke. So I don't feel like he, really cares and he hasn't really cared about anything for clearly a long time um and it really does suck that it took sophie talking to him to make him see the light essentially um so that part sucked and like i'm really glad that the crows are gone i was not expecting him to shut the whole thing down to be honest because he's you know jacob's gonna jacob and just do whatever he wants so (laughs) i'm really glad he did do that but you know again 
little crumbs by comparison to like what he the shit that they put everybody through for separate Shadow agrees. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has a lot of feelings. He's got a lot yeah, of mouth. I know. Jacob just, you know. He said, fuck Jacob 2021. Yeah. That's what he said. I, I'm everybody's buttons. <laughs> but yeah, so Jacob sucks, continues to suck. And yeah, that that's it. Also, Alice and Ocean. <laughs> I just, I don't even know what the hell is going on there, but every time they try to put this ship in front of my face, I'm like, I don't know why you guys are just trying to get me on board. (laughs) I don't want it. It's just so toxic, and I don't even know how we, like, the flashbacks understandably made sense, because then you're like, oh, well, these two people needed each other at the time he was helping her to sort of see the light before they were both brainwashed and sent in different directions but now they're both taken a sip from the lack of a better word crazy juice (laughs) and are just doing whatever and it's just such a terrible relationship so i feel like i don't know the fact that alice i guess is the one getting the most romance this season just bugs me <laughs> so i don't like it i don't like that ship that's well, all. rude <laughs> um <laughs> they have I, great chemistry but i don't like it <laughs> i love that ship but this is the dislikes i mean i, I have to agree about jacob obviously jacob sucks balls and we hate him uh and he should just die in a fire uh but or you know go sip my ties with kate whenever she goes to retire forever and now he doesn't have the crows anymore so he can also retire forever it's so great i'm so happy for them um but aside from that uh i agree that it shouldn't have taken sophie to speak up or you know confront him in order for him to be able to open his eyes and witness what's going on because he's known luke for however long half is half of luke's life i'm sure or or you know i don't know i don't know when he and bruce became buddies but Long enough to know that, of course, Luke would never do that. And if someone is saying Luke did that, then you should be questioning them. Plus, we've already seen plenty of shady things that they've, you know, covered up in the past. So it's not like it's not like Jacob is unaware of the situation with his uh, with his little soldiers. Uh, aside from that, I don't really have any other. I, th- I mean, I guess it's just like it was just super depressing that Luke was like, I guess I'll just end it. I guess I'll just end it all. And be with my he dad was. back. I was so, so shocked. I was like, no, yeah. Luke, come back. Come right. back to the light. <laughs> no, don't go towards and, the light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't go towards the light, yeah. And I guess it was, like, the way they, the way that they was edited or whatever, so that then they were like, this is taking too long. I guess, you know, I guess he really is going to die. And they really, for a second, they really had me going. I was like, are you kidding me? I already saw the suit. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, I thought, okay, that's right, I forgot that I was going to say, I just thought, I don't know if it was the way it was written, the way it was directed, I thought that, that the switch in the Sophie and Ryan conversation was a little bit off. Like, it was weird to me that she was basically implying that it was Sophie's fault, right? And then when Sophie was like, are you saying it's my fault? Ryan was like, no, it's my fault. And I was like, what? I feel like I missed the line of dialogue, because nowhere in the previous conversation did I think that it was you thinking it was your fault. Um. Unless it was just, I guess it was just the shock of being like, well, of course I don't think it's your fault because it's my fault. Like, I guess I get it. But I don't know. I feel like it was just like 
There was like a missing link. It was like me. a like a reflex to just like lash out. So if he's like, wait, <laughs> I may reason it's me. <laughs> yeah, I'm the villain. <laughs> exactly. I did. She this. like Jacob is misdirecting her anger. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um. So so like it's like human like I get it and they both acted it really well I just thought that like the dialogue like I was like I feel like some one line needs to change in here somewhere for it to feel like a like I was like because sometimes you can like expect that thing and then it's still like satisfying when you get it right oh this is what she's doing and now now we see that she's admitting it but instead I was like why is she so mad at Sophie oh okay now she's mad at herself I guess this makes sense okay good but anyway that's all otherwise you know they were great they're beautiful. I'm glad, like like you guys already said in the previous section, I'm so glad that they have like a realistic friendship now that it feels earned, and yet it's not going to be all like having each other's back 100% of the time, or Sunshine and Roses. There's still the questioning, and the blaming, and the guilt, and you know, that comes with the distrust they had just like two weeks ago. So it's understandable. Alright, feedback? Yes, we do. We have um, lots of feedback. Lots of feedbackers have lots of things to say. Um, from Lillian, Anita, Suara, and Sonia. So first up, we have Lillian. She says, Hello, lovely ladies. Glad to have DCTV back this week because I was really missing my faves. I don't know how we made it through a whole year of hiatus. Here's my somewhat lengthy feedback for Batwoman and Flash, but we'll do Batwoman for now. This week's episode was honestly kind of triggering from the opening scene of Luke being shot and the character assassination in the press, the protest. It's a cycle that we are all too familiar with. I kept waiting for the moment when Batwoman would be shed out of Tavaroff for some small relief. It felt like they really ramped up Tavaroff's evilness in the last two episodes to make it very clear that he's a villain. Felt like the show was trying to lean into the bad Apple narrative. I think whatever happened, I think that whatever police brutality message they wanted to say would have benefited from exploring the psyche of Tavaroff and the bad crows rather than having them be one-dimensional bad guys. And no, I don't mean humanizing them. Love the Sophie Ryan, Wolf Spider, Mary team-ups this episode and Mary's little, we need you, I need you moment by Luke's bedside. Call back yes, thank you. Allen. I was like <laughs> shipping it right there because exactly, it was a call back to West Allen. I was like, oh, are we going to get Hamill Fox this season? But carry on. <laughs> Cam did a great job this episode. And I really I felt that mention- character. Yep. Tati. Oh, I said I forgot to mention that, but of course we have to get Hamill Fox. Yes, I totally yes. I also felt that in my heart. Okay. <laughs> um Cam did a great job, really felt for his character. I wish that he was talking directly to his dad in the dream instead of Bruce. The show missed out on a great opportunity to have a father son bonding over experiences as a black man in Gotham, being part of the Bat Legacy and ultimately being harmed by the crows. I guess the show hasn't cast Lucius Fox yet, which is why you only saw a silhouette. Jacob was finally good for something. The crows are officially dead. Insert that famous Grant Gustin graveyard meme. <laughs> it was frustrating that he didn't immediately start questioning things when he obviously knew or suspected Luke's innocence. No matter where the season ends with Kate and Alice, I need Jacob gone because he's just useless. Also, was there any strategy to shutting down the crows? What happened to all the weapons and storage? What about the crows who are now jobless and free to become vigilantes, bad guys in the city? The show tends to blur lines between the cops and the crows. But I would like, oh my god, what if all the crows just like move on over to the GCPD? That'd be a nightmare. Um. Anyway, she says, the show tends to blur the lines, but I would have liked to see the POV of the GCPD and all of this. The show basically did a version of defund the police without actually defunding the police. Um... She has a prediction, which I will save until we get there. So next up, we have Anita, who says, 
Welcome back, ladies. Yeah, so what an episode that was. Luke in critical care. The Desert Rose bloomed in time to give him a serum. We met Bruce Wayne, the intended Bruce Wayne in this franchise. And Luke seemed to have, finally have a really, wait, and Luke seemed to have a really big, really misdirected moment. The crows disbanded. I knew they wouldn't thrive without Sophie. And they were the kind of idiots who would, too blind on power to see her worth. But I didn't think it would take one fell swoop. See, I thought they would struggle when Tav- when then Tavaroff would overthrow Jacob and land some rich, shadowy figure to heat the lights on and all those fancy computers running. Whoever fills that power vacuum is sure to be interesting, but I don't know if Sophie will be part of it, or if I want her to be. You know what I thought? The part where Luke decided he didn't want to live in a world where people would treat him like that because he was black just hit me hard. Oh, she said, you know what, though? Yeah. The part where Luke decided he didn't want to live in a world where people treat him like that because he was black just hit me hard. Whew. I need a second with that one. I did think it was a cop-out on part of Bruce Wayne's subconscious for him to acknowledge what Luke has to face in daily life, but then say he doesn't know what to do about it. On the Finding Kate part of the episode, I just feel like more disappointment, rage, and random cruel murders are in store for that sister. I'm not sure if Kate will ever really be back, and it's strange that they keep going this long with it. And then Suarez says, I feel someone conflicted about Batwoman this week. I think as a whole, the episode was technically great, but I don't know how I feel about them tackling the subject matter. I thought the scenes with Luke were great, and it was so great to get an inner psychological exploration to, of him to get to know him way better. Camera says such a great job in the role, and I can't wait to see him in action as Batwing. Even though the helmet might be a bit big, I think his costume looks overall fantastic. I love the Bat Family content wherever I can get it, and Batwoman is delivering. Speaking of, Javicia put in a powerhouse performance this week. Watching her grief at Luke's situation was so heartbreaking, including her being consoled by Sophie. So Ryan Ship Rise, like he's still shipping it. So bless you, Swara. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also love Sophie and her standing up to Jacob and helping convince him to disband the crows, which is not what I was expecting at all to happen. But again, on this point of the show, attack. Uh, tackling these subjects i feel like it didn't actually say that systemic racism was involved or at least they didn't focus enough on it there's an exploration of corruption which was good but it all felt so rushed to be in one episode i very much just like that we had to watch another unarmed black person be shot by police on tv i'm doubtful that the triggering for black viewers was in any way worth it for what we saw on screen and the points that this episode was trying to make the disbandment of the crows a stand-in for the police so quickly felt like a fantasy that didn't have enough of the systemic dismantling it called for, especially on systemic racism, which I guess that they, you know, again, like we go back to the fact that this is not the actual police. It's a privatized right. that Jacob just say, I'm done. And then it, it'll be done. But realistically, you, there would be a lot more like what um, Lillian was saying about how, you know, where uh-huh. do all these people go? What happened to all the weapons? So there's a lot of stuff that's still unresolved. Um. Yep. So thank you, Suara. And then finally, we have Sonia, who says, "Hey, ladies, so glad to have DC TV shows on this week. Definitely miss the shows, and also having the podcast listened to over the weekend and on my drive to work on Mondays. Now to my feedback. Can't believe the show made me watch Luke getting shot again. Like, why show? Why? Really like the scenes of Luke basically in limbo with fake Bruce and fake Lucius, and for Luke to not know if he wanted to go back to the real world or stay with his dad." Love seeing Jacob finally not being a dumbass and seeing how sketchy Tavaroff was being regarding Luke's shooting. Also glad he ended up shutting down the crows. Finally, this shit is done. Can't believe they doctored a body cam footage to make it look like Luke had a gun. I mean, I can't believe it, but still. 
Mary and Evan teaming up to trick the crows agents was awesome. And I also love that Evan saying Luke was cute. Uh, what is wrong with the crows? Because what kind of body cam footage system is not ordered by date? Like who designed this crap? <laughs> Tavarock and his goons kidnapped Jacob and tried to kill him. Like that escalated quickly. So glad Ryan was able to save him. Are you? Are you Sonia? <laughs> and also, thank God Luke was okay. But it was so sad that he ended up deciding to stay with his dad, but ended up waking up. Can't wait to see Luke as Batwing. That is all of the feedbacks. And they were beautiful feedbacks indeed. Do we have any Batwing or Kate um, or Ryan and Sophie predictions or Camelbox or anything? May, did you have any? No. Nothing. I'll read Lillian. Rooting for Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> Lillian's prediction, she predicts that Tavaroff outs Jacob's addiction, painting him as an unreliable witness and manages to get off scot-free. <gasps> no! no! <laughs> Take it back! <laughs> uh, she also had thoughts on the mandatory BLM episodes. CW's mandatory BLM mandate has achieved little besides mainly re-traumatizing black audiences everywhere. At least on Batwoman, they found a somewhat organic way of weaving it into the story by connecting it to Luke's evolution and camera shared that he felt supported and taken care of throughout. Which is, um, I remember he tweeted that the crew wore Black Lives Matters like sweatshirts for him on the set. Mm. Um, he said, recently I've been thinking about how the fl- the Flash handled their BLM storyline. As much as the Frost storyline sucked, I can't help but think that if it was a if it was white showrunners, they would have opted for the more obvious route, that is having Iris and Ojo and I guess Chester assaulted by police to give Barry his racial awakening. And knowing how little support behind the scenes Candace gets on the most basic things, I doubt that she would have received the care and support needed to deal with such a storyline. So, and she says, anyway, would you ladies be open to doing an episode focused on how the DCTV handles shows handled this over the next hiatus? We still have Supergirl and Legends to get through, so I'd be curious to hear your overall thoughts on what worked and what didn't, and insights from other comic-based shows that tackled this better, like Watchmen. So, that's her suggestion for a hiatus episode. Yep. Didn't That's we do cool. Watchmen? Or did I make that up? Am I we insane? Watch, you were you okay, Watchmen. Yeah, on our Watchmen. Okay, okay. I was just thinking, I was like, we should do Watchmen. Wait. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, if it was so, comparing the DC TV, these DC TV shows to Watchmen, I mean, they don't hold a candle to it. No. But, yeah. Like, yeah. This is HBO. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's not a fair comparison. <laughs> All right. Here we go. That's right. Like someone said that um, Doom Patrol is what Legends of Tomorrow fans think Legends of Tomorrow is. And I was like, that's not nice. Legends of Tomorrow <laughs> is doing, it, doing what it does. It's enjoying itself. <laughs> Let's not try and make it Doom Patrol. I think it's like, uh, I think I would compare like Teen Titans versus Teen Titans Go. Like they're both yeah. hugely popular franchises, but both like wildly different. <laughs> right. That's like yeah. being like, oh my god, um, I can't even think of a show now. Some really high profile show, Killing Eve, is what Riverdale thinks it is. <laughs> like, wait, what? Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, goodbye, vib- oh yeah, side B, The Flash, end of an era. Goodbye, Vibrations, directed by Philip Chapera, written by Kelly Wheeler and Jeff Hirsch. Cisco accepts a dog at. Cisco accepts a job at Argus and reveals that he and Camilla are moving to Star City. Barry and Caitlin hide their feelings about him leaving, so as not to dissuade him, 
but upset him instead because they don't understand basic human emotions. Elsewhere, metahuman Carrie Bates, later nicknamed uh, Rainbow Raider 2.0 because Cisco has just given up on his last day of work. Hey, Trix- that wasn't even his, like, he didn't even call Rainbow Raider Rainbow Raider. This is like Caitlin's villain from season one. <laughs> the one villain she got to name. <laughs> Tricks a bank teller into giving her money by placing him in a euphoric state. Barry and an overenthusiastic Cisco confront Bates using a device they used to stop. They used to stop the original Rainbow Raider, uh, but uh, it does not work. Uh, Bates destroys it and sways Cisco, who now overenthusiastically ruins a second confrontation with Bates, which then allows her to sway Barry. Thankfully, Chester is able to return them to normal after a short breakdancing dance break. Cisco has a tearful reconciliation with Barry and Caitlin. Bates secures a blimp so she can destroy money out of, um, so she can drop money out of it into a huge stadium full of people to save them from the system. Allegra helps Barry convince Bates to stand down and work on Mayor Samson's Economic Development Committee instead because we are no longer fighting villains ever at all. We have no budget. All we are doing is just shining light on love on them so they will change their ways. Uh, Cisco gives all his tech to Chester before, before, um, his surprise party that he previously did not get and was very upset about. And Camilla uh, gets her own separate surprise party with Alice and Allegra that is like two seconds long and has no payoff whatsoever. After revealing that she's about to close the case, Cecile is later confronted by a Dr. Fate-looking masked reflection of herself and tells her, I will find you. And we're supposed to be really excited about that, I guess. Also, (laughs) Cisco and Joe and... Barry sing Poker Face, and it was amazing. And Caitlin is just kind of there. Like, I think she said, like, Daniel Poker said, Face. you're not going to catch me flipping. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They set her up for failure, and she's like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what sparked joy? Uh, Jessica, I see you just left a blank space, but perhaps you have things to say. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying them after me, or am I going first? Yeah. <laughs> you can go first, Meg. <laughs> you can go first, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, this episode wasn't all bad. There was, I, I, I did, okay, I'll get into this later into my dislikes, but I really felt for Cisco, like, the montage especially is like, man, he's really leaving. And, you know, that part got me because he's been such an integral part of the show for seven seasons. And, you know, this was not the goodbye I imagined for him, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but this is my joy section. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact I like I did like, you know, him and Barry singing Poker Face because that. The fact that, you know, bringing that whole pilot thing back, oh, yeah, this was on his Facebook or whatever, um, was really fun. And I did like the the fact that he got to save the day, like he got to be the hero in his final, you know, team flash day for him um, was really great to see because he's just Cisco. He's, I mean, he's always been a hero and he's never really gotten those big moments to shine. So I'm glad that he went out doing something like that. And also just like when he was hit by the uh, Rainbow Raider 2, 2.0, uh, was really, 
was really fun because we got to see like Carlos's range in general and it's like a reminder of how good of an actor he truly is mm. how the show completely wasted that talent <laughs> <laughs> <So bitter. laughs> no lies though no lies <laughs> but yeah it was truly the end of an era and him sort of passing down his gadgets and even saying the star archives again and passing that legacy down to chester was really nice because i feel like they've really bonded in the short time that chester has been on the team and those moments especially felt genuine um like he was actually like Cisco was realizing his time at Star Labs actually did mean something and that he could give what he has curated and done down and pass that down to someone who will appreciate what it is that he's done because he is just like Cisco, basically. <laughs> so that was really nice and sweet. And, you know, I think that he and um, Brandon have really great chemistry as well. And I did like for the like two seconds we got to see team citizen investigating a scene that never came up again (laughs) (laughs) was nice and i i don't know if like restrictions are being were being lifted at this point covid that well that's what people are going to blame it on but yeah yeah but i was going to say like in the beginning scene which was really fun it's probably my favorite of like cisco's like i have something to tell you and i was like are you guys pregnant (laughs) (laughs) that was hilarious delivery and (laughs) But my point about the COVID restrictions was um, because, like, so this whole season, you know, Barry and Iris have barely, like, touched each other in general. But here it's like, oh, I'm going to put my hand on your on your thigh. And I'm like, are COVID restrictions being lifted? Is this what's happening? This what's happening? <laughs> so, like, crumbs, <laughs> basically. But that scene was really fun because, you know, the the pause of waiting and the the, the shock that was on their faces they look like they were you know they're like this is great it's not great but it sure let's go with that i like the like barry's like oh should i get waffles yeah <laughs> and they were all like yeah <laughs> yeah it felt it felt very genuine and i like that that scene very much <laughs> you did you did an admirable job with your likes me thank you <laughs> um it wasn't like terrible episode so you know but I think the things that I liked that sparked joy most mm. were the season one callbacks, except for that stupid ass picture with Ebar Thrawn in the middle. <laughs> like that one can go, but all the rest of them, um, you know, him taking Chester into like the Star Archives and seeing like Barry's like helmet from season one, Chester with like the helmet on was like super cute. Um, but all of those little touches is to show like, how much stuff that Cisco has been like involved in and helped mm. with over the course of his seasons. I like the montage. Um, those were like the really emotional moments. Um, I liked um, in the, when Cisco kind of finally, when the high wears off and he tells Barry and Caitlin how he is feeling and like about his fear. I liked that scene for Cisco. Uh, <laughs> I liked him being able to like voice that and um, voice his feelings and have space for that. Um, I liked. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't even like citizen scenes because cut most of them. Um, so yeah, I, I liked. I liked a lot of like the the callbacks for Cisco for Carlos. Um, 
I think he did the best at being high <laughs> off of Rainbow Raider um, and that he had the most fun with it. Um, uh-huh. I like her face. I thought that was um, another another season one callback. So I like that, you know, it was there and they got to kind of end on that kind of fun thing for them. Um, and I liked all the, the Chester and Cisco specifically interactions because I, I agree with you, man, that they really had a good bond and those felt the most genuine of the uh, character interactions. No, that is what I'm going to say about that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, thank you for that uh, incredible amount of likes. I uh, <laughs> Yes. I, 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 I do think that Carlos did a great job and the episode showcased how much range Carlos has, as May previously said. I, I did get teary during the, like, Cisco montages and, like, the first episode, ever since, you know, the show started and how he's grown, etc. I was like, oh my god! Um, even though, you know, I feel like there's just so much less of the later seasons because you got so much less to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's alright. <laughs> um, I did, I, I did feel like, I understood where they were going with, like, the Barry and Caitlin being trying to make it easy for him, right? And not trying to express their their dissatisfaction. I thought that was like a realistic uh, misunderstanding that friends can have sometimes. I you, did like, think it try. was like, hilarious when like Cisco was trying to have like a moment and Kate was like, can you give me your patch? Yes. Oh my God. That was, okay. That was actually funny. I was like, that's just disrespectful. Like they're just going too far. Like why would you even ask for it back? He should just be able to walk in anytime he wants. That's ridiculous. Who are you going to give like, it to? Why are they so, acting like they have security? Exactly. Exactly. Or I was just like, secrets. all right, sure, sure. But anyway, um, that aside, <laughs> I, um, I really did like how they um they sort of try to play with that concept like you have um you expect someone to react a certain way and so you try to modulate your reactions and that other person did not expect that and then they're thrown off so then they act in the opposite way etc and then just like right it's like spirals into like a big misunderstanding when all you have to do in the first place is just be like oh my god that makes me sad but I'm happy for you (laughs) just say what you feel in the first place guys but it's definitely you know, a, a situation that I have run into plenty of times, so I understood it. Uh, anyway, that aside, I did... What other feelings did I feel in my heart of hearts? That was joyful. Um, that was joyful, right? It has to be joyful feelings. I I did enjoy Poker Face. I did I did like that them singing at the end there. That was really funny. And also the breakdancing thing, which is hilarious. I was just like, okay, it's just stupid. It's very stupid. But it was I so laughed. random. <laughs> yeah, and what I really happened. loved... I loved how Chester came in. He was like, yeah, let's do oh, this. Yes. Like, yeah, also, yeah. And then he like was serious. He's like, cut it off. <laughs> yes. While at the same time, I support that he was being um, like productive while he did that, you yes. know? <laughs> so not unexpected, unexpected. But anyway, uh, that's, Mm, no, mm, I mean, I liked the, I liked the little scene at the end with Camilla and Allegra and Iris, who were like, just seen citizen, and Iris explained what she was feeling, and then Camilla explained also, and they were like, yeah, it's cool, we'll write or something. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I guess, I guess it's like, uh, no, 
I'm like a little intrigued. I'm a little intrigued by what Cecile's going got going on. Maybe you know. I did think it looked like Doctor Fate. If it's somehow Doctor Fate, that I would love that shit. It's probably not yeah. Doctor Fate. It's sort of looking like Doctor Fate. A psycho pirate too. Oh, true, true. But that already didn't they already do that? But that's okay. They can bring back Psycho Pirate. <laughs> point two, two point oh, like Rainbow Warrior yeah. two point oh. Psycho Psycho Pirate two point oh. We love that. Okay. Anyway, so that's all. That's all I got. So, uh, what did not bring joy the rest of the episode? Love our valiant efforts to, uh, yeah. bring <laughs> We did what we could. Yeah. <laughs> we did what we could. Food and rally people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, the fact that the whole episode started off with Cisco telling everyone that he's leaving tomorrow. tomorrow. Like, how inconsiderate of this man. <laughs> Right. Like, to just drop yes, to a two weeks notice. These are also your friends, so, so you claim. Uh, so I right. feel like everything that spiraled like it I guess it was odd to me that he would tell them short notice and then be upset that like, they're not like, ex- like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Like like I want to surprise probably be like, dude, you're leaving in like twelve hours. I don't really know what to tell you. And <laughs> while I felt for him i feel like that whole the conflict itself would have felt more organic had it been a build-up over a few episodes like mm-hmm. as soon as he found out be like i'm thinking about leaving you know and then they'll have that whole conversation it just feels like this season has been episode after episode after episode and there's like at least the character development stuff has dropped in mm-hmm. terms of like pay- direct pickups of what these people are actually feeling and what's going on in their lives. So it felt like a standalone episode that didn't need to be a standalone episode. And my biggest issue is the fact that people, season one was good, guys, but the obsession with season one drives me insane because it's like they're trying to recapture that magic that you cannot recapture. These characters have come very far in the seven seasons that we've we've been with them. So I feel like trying to bring that back feels forced sometimes instead of just doing what feels natural to them, who they are and who they are now. Yeah. Versus trying to recapture wh- what Cisco was seven years ago. Because that's not how people are. We grow. And that's great. Season one was great, but we have to move on from that. And I feel like they're so stuck in the past that they want to bring that magic back. And I felt none of it. So it was really disheartening because it is Cisco's last episode. It's Carlos's last episode. I don't feel like there was enough emotion. There was like a lot of the story beats felt weird and conversations were also weird like caitlin and cisco have been best friends for a very long time and i even with them and i like their relationship i expected to feel more out of it when they had their big talk you know and and there was nothing there i felt like i was i had a stone cold heart Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i you know i didn't want to feel that way but that's how i felt until like the end probably when they ran that montage and stuff so it just didn't feel and and even like Rainbow Raiders plot just didn't make any sense either. So like I get where they were going with it, but it just didn't feel authentic um, to who they are now. And even the, the team citizen, like the the cut Joe and Iris scene, could have given so much more 
context to the final conversation that Iris and Camilla had. And even with their relationship, if they had actually developed more of it for the last several episodes that Camilla was around, it would have also felt like she was losing a friend rather than just a coworker she was having trouble replacing. And we didn't even get to see that montage, like a montage of that, which is what I was expecting, did not happen. Um, and just the overall lack of Iris, the fact that even like Chester got more scenes with Cisco and he's only been around for like a season. Mm-hmm. Whereas Iris did not get any scenes with Cisco except for the beginning. And it's like, are you not going to say goodbye to him? Is he not going to say goodbye to you? How is that going to even work? And yes, COVID is around and we're not going to stick people in such close proximity with such a big group scene. But it also doesn't make any sense that they would even party at the loft. Like, you guys are just Star Labs buddies. Go party there. (laughs) They have a a loft thingy in Star Labs. Yeah, they do. And it's it was so off because you had these two groups of people that you you could have had partying together do something be a little bit more creative with how you like separate them or whatever like you did in that one scene at like the beginning of the season where they're all just lying on the ground six feet apart <laughs> so <laughs> they could have done that we all saw you do it <laughs> so it's just really frustrating that a iris continues to get very little to do her scenes are constantly cut she doesn't get to say goodbye to cisco and it's like to cisco it's like she's irrelevant and that doesn't make me feel good in any type of way because like these people still knew each other they weren't the best of friends they could have interacted a lot more sure but they still worked together just like i would argue they had like a pretty season two was like their their jam like they were in season four too it shows that they had you know yeah so it's not like they're strangers they're not absolutely not so it's just frustrating that they made that separation clear and it's like it felt very exclusionary and i did not like it Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's definitely like my biggest issue. I think I would have enjoyed the episode a lot more in general for giving a lot more things if the episode had, you know, respected Iris's role in the show yeah. and Iris's relationship to Cisco. She's also Cisco. like the first, like season one, like you know, she's mm-hmm. the only person that's been around there since season one that did not have a meaningful scene with Cisco, and that's yep. just like ridiculous. Exactly. There was no. There was no. Even even if there was COVID restrictions for the party, like you guys said, it would have been so much easier to have the, the, the surprise party at Star Labs and then have them in different rooms if you want. And then he could just go from one room to the next. So he has scenes. Yeah. And it's not even just that they separated them for COVID restrictions for the party. The entire episode storylines were exclusionary. Like this team was over here and they were they were investigating the same crime. Like right. Team Citizen went to to investigate the crime that Team Flash was pursuing Rainbow Raider for. Right. And there was no crossover even there. Mm-hmm. Right. At the very least, you could have had Iris and Camilla on the ground while they were up in the blimp and seeing how they're reacting. Because, like, like, even for Camilla, like, Cisco could die. Right? Yeah. And Camilla should care about that. But she's like, I don't know. Camilla and Cisco don't even know each other, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and Iris and Camilla could have been helping you know, prep Allegra or whatever, get Allegra ready before she's going to go out and do her thing too. There's lots of ways that they could have incorporated that. Yeah. And kept in with their COVID regulations and they didn't. Yeah. Um, But then just like overall in general, I feel like this, this episode, like I, I, Carlos prepped us that it was going to be goofy, but I just feel like uh, this, I just feel like the flash is like really heavily into its whole 
family-friendly bag because I don't know. It just, it just feels like the only people that are having fun this season could probably also eat for free at a buffet. <laughs> 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 like it's just like campy to the point of like cringy. Like I'm sure like Candace's nephew absolutely loves like Barry breakdancing or whatever. But just as like an adult viewer watching it, it's just like, Ugh. I, and I'm not I'm not trying to be like a complete hater because like you know it was like funny like Barry's breakdancing and like the poke, poker face karaoke they were amusing but it it just took up so much screen time and cut out from Iris and Camilla to the point that I feel like I would rather like Camilla had just left an episode early and just like just say oh she left for Star City ahead of me and let's not pretend like we care about Camilla when you clearly don't care about Camilla or her relationship with Iris. Cause that's just kind of what it felt like. The balance was so lopsided to center Cisco, which I get because Carlos has been around for season one. We know him. Everyone loves him. He's a fan favorite character. Um, but then if you, since we know that, then why not have all the important people over on that side and just make it a whole thing about Cisco instead of trying to like split it up and have something for Camilla and then you cut those things that are about Camilla and Iris, the Joe and Iris scene. You know, we have this one tension-filled scene with Iris and Camilla about Iris shutting down all these other candidates and them kind of like being like on leaving on like a weird note. And then it's supposed to be resolved in a line of dialogue at the end. And it's just like there's no kind of middle connecting thread. And so like with Legends. I felt like there was like a there was a lot more of the B plot that I was expecting with Sarah and and Bishop in the Flash. There was like a lot less than what I was expecting there should have been with Camilla and Iris. Um, then the, we already talked about like splitting the teams and not having a, a, a goodbye between Iris and Cisco. It just feels like, especially since they uttered the words "OG Team Flash" in the episode. Um, it just it made it feel even more exclusionary that not only is Iris not in this A plot, she is excluded from a party at her own loft um, for a character that's been around as long as she has. And so it's just like, I'm sure you can like blame COVID restrictions and regulations on the number of people in scenes as to why she wasn't included, but even without COVID, like I'm not confident that they would not have still done the same exact scenario. And I feel like that's a problem. Um, And it goes back to like, you know, what we've been saying as Iris West Defense Squad from season one about how they treat Iris in, in stories like this and how she's not given the same amount of respect as like other characters. Um, so that was like a thing. And then in general, just like the, the episode, the villain of the episode, um, the villain was a little bit of a killer flop. <laughs> like Ramble Raider 2.0 could have been fun. Um, but again, like Rainbow Raider season one, I feel like they could have done so much more with the fact that they're supposed to work with all the spectrum of the rainbow. Like Rainbow Raider 1.0 was just like rage. And he only worked with that one like red color. and Apparently she works with all colors and that just makes people happy. Um, but I feel like it would have been even more fun if she could manipulate different colors. You know, she could you could do it all at the same time, 
where you could pull out a blue and make Barry like unbelievably sad. And then you could have that, like all of his emotions are coming out about Cisco leaving, leaving that Cisco didn't even know he was having, you know, so they could have done like a lot more with Rainbow Raider. Um, but instead they just had this kind of like one note and they saved the day with less action and more believing in the power of love type scenarios. Um, and then even like her plot, her like motivation, her rainbow Robin Hood plan, it could have used some work. Like if she was like, and Barry got her a job. Like I feel like part of the interview for making up like imaginary scenarios where you steal a bunch of money, <laughs> like dropping it over a stadium, dollars, gold bars, and diamonds, <laughs> <laughs> and dropping it from a tall height over people. Um, I don't think you were good project management skills, <laughs> you know. So it's just like you don't really have. Your wealth redistribution plan makes not a lot of sense. So, I mean, it it just felt, everything felt weird. And I feel like um, the acting was weird and off. Like Grant coming in and his high, it was kind of like creepy the way that he came into Star Labs, <laughs> just like smiling. And, you know, it it felt like he was trying really hard to be high, whereas Carlos felt a little bit more natural. And it's just like the whole thing kind of reminded me, like, remember arrow that scene from like Leanne Yu that went viral oh my god <laughs> it's like all the action and like the direction was so bad I feel like this was our Leanne Yu <laughs> and if someone sent me like a clip of Barry breakdancing and asked me to explain I just like I don't I don't know <laughs> I don't know what to tell you <laughs> and I just feel like you know I'll just tell you this like right like fanboys if you know someone is trying to like defend Barry or if you didn't have a problem with this or think people should like lighten up or have fun or whatever fine like it's, it's like I said it's an amusing scene but like I don't want to hear shit else from you about Iris breathing we are the flash whatever else for the rest of the series like you don't get to do that like if you if you want if this is the hill that you want to die on like <laughs> just to Barry having like a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 3 awkward like dancing like <laughs> moment if that's the hill you want to die on, think hard about it. Think hard if that's where you want to go. And then just shut the fuck up because I don't want to hear anything else you have to say about like Iris or, or anything. Bad writing, whatever. You like this, stand on it, defend it. Don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Um, I agree with everything that you said. I mean, there's not really that much else to add. It was, it just felt, it feels very juvenile. This whole season has felt that way. It feels like um, there are very, there are a couple of spots where it just like where it's emotionally honest, but for the most part, it feels like it's just going for the the lowest common denominator. Whether that's just like a, a quick laugh, or like it's like a, a very preachy when it attempts to do like a here's a bigger picture. Like you could have done a really interesting storyline about someone who feels like um like like it's actually like an interesting backstory, right? Like I work in like the insurance, or I work in loan a debt collector, right? A debt collector, and I see these people that are that are suffering because of my job. And so with the very little power that I have, I make an attempt to help them. And that's actually illegal. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that's actually really interesting, <laughs> but instead, but instead it's like, um, she just seems insane. First of all, like I would never have expected that to be her backstory. She doesn't seem like she cares about people. Um, and she's just stupid if she thinks that she's going to drop a bunch of, like you said, gold and diamonds and you whatever. You know the people that are in that stadium. They could, yeah, There exactly. could be like 
the bosses of the right. people that are collecting money. And all money. the players. Get free money. You know? I'm just trying yeah. to imagine a gold bar falling on somebody's head. I'm like, exactly. that could cause so much damage. <laughs> um, anyway. So... What else? I don't even know. Like, I just like, 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 I just feel like the overall, it feels like the the storytelling in this season, and even more so. Like, I think that the more juvenile aspect has been in play ever since we've switched showrunners. It just feels like it got a little bit more like that, but it's never been so like obvious or like uh, in uh, not cohesive, I guess, until this season. Like six, season six was actually relatively um, strong. You know, even if there are like parts um, or certain villains that didn't pan out or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it did feel like um, thematically it made sense. And, you know, there was like some really good emotional stuff with Iris in the Mirror, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But here I'm like, I don't even know what the emotional center of the first half of the season was. Um, I guess it was we have fake kids that are forces, but it never really felt uh, like it came through. And then here. Cisco leaving, like you already said, could have been seen and should have been seated so much earlier. The moment that Cisco realizes he wants to leave, he should have told them, I think I'm going to leave. And then, like, a group scene. And then just, like, when they, you know, like, they told the team that Iris was maybe going to die in season three, right? Mm-hmm. And you end it with, like, oh, that's a revelation of what are we going to do? And then future episodes have maybe have a B-plot of Cisco dealing with one person about how that one person feels about his future departure. Right. And so we have like a real honest depiction of all of his major relationships as the episodes go until the episode where he has to leave. And you still could have done this fun little like, oh, is there going to be a surprise party for me or not? Or like, oh, it's the day I'm leaving. Why is everyone suddenly so chipper? They could have had the exact same storyline, but still have actually dealt honestly with the fact that he's leaving, like in a real human way, not just announcing it the day that you're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I just like, like things like that that would just make the show much better and feel more like uh intelligent or mature or whatever <laughs> and so i don't know i don't know what it is i don't know what it is so definitely it feels like a different show even than last season which doesn't make sense because as far as i know there weren't any i mean there's covid but like <laughs> that's why i'm like i guess eric wallace was just like smoking you know some really <laughs> delicious drugs uh over the hiatus and <laughs> in quarantine and came back with some not you know some half-baked ideas if you will i don't know i don't know um but aside from that i obviously like i like i already said you know in jessica's part i really don't like how they treated iris in this and i would forgive so much more if they hadn't done that there was no reason to isolate them there's no like there's no reason to not even at least have them communicate you know verbally even if they're not in the same scene or just like Whatever, green screen it. <laughs> Pretend like they're on the same scene when they're not. It's fine. Um, have some people sitting on the couch and some people sitting at the dinner table or whatever you have to if do. If they could do it for what was that show with Archie Punjabi and um, the, good, yes, the Good Wife? For The Good Wife. Do the that. Good wife, have <laughs> Juliana Margulies and Archie Punjabi pretend like they're talking to each other because they hated each other so much. You can do it too for COVID. <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I don't know. And, and like, and like you already said, Jessica, like, it's not because of, like, even if it just so happens that the easiest way to deal with this restriction was to remove Iris, it's only because the easiest way to deal with anything is to remove Iris for them. They just don't care. So, um, that's, that's, it's just important. It's been seven years, I feel. It's been seven years, and 
like four showrunners and we still have not uh, gotten it right for more than like three episodes at a time. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I wouldn't even mind um, callbacks to season one or whatever if they weren't just a reminder of how far the show has fallen since then (laughs) (laughs) so if the show was still like even nearly half the quality of season one then the those those flashbacks or those like memories would probably feel to me more just like oh my god remember as opposed to like oh yeah mm -hmm, back when the show was decent and back when (laughs) i could actually say that i watched it like and not be ashamed yes sometimes (laughs) so um that's all. I don't know. I don't know what else. I think, like, it's, the, the seal thing is not even in that joint. Like, it's fine. I'm, like, vaguely interested, but I'm mostly also just like, how are you going to mess this up? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, feedback? Yes, we have feedback. With I don't know if, um, this is from Nora. I don't know if this person has sent in feedback before, but Nora says, um, this is their pen name, First of all, good morning. I have some feelings and feedback about the flash that should be addressed and even brought to the writer's attention if possible, though I imagine they already know. Honestly, last night's episode was not my cup of tea at all. Besides a handful of heartfelt moments, the rest is a level of cringe that makes me odd that we are talking about the same show that give us so well done episodes as the ones in season one, like Jim's, like Welcome to Earth 2 or Runaway Dinosaur. Or I guess the earlier seasons. It really put on display the decay of the show's quality, but all that could be overlooked if it didn't come together with a serious writing issue. The original concept of the concept of original Teen Flash didn't exist in the beginning. It was made as an effort to sideline the female lead by the fandom, by the way. Um, it was made as an effort to sideline the female lead and sometimes even Joe from the narrative. It took off when Iris started to become more ingrained in the plot as an effort to undermine her importance, so much so that you can always see it in the fandom pal it is always used as an argument against her. So the fact that the writers, Eric especially, have not only went with it, but put it on blast is outrageous to say the least. In this episode, you have the OTF during 80% of the storyline, which actually was less about Cisco and more about this team, with the rest of being a half-assed storyline that was cut and poorly executed for Iris Camilla and such. The pandering was so blatant that people actually had the final OTF scene be in Barry and Iris's house without her, who was a simple in a simple break room, enjoying themselves with Joe and completely separated. If they wanted to do a team flash party location, that would make the most sense is Star Labs. The they that's already where they spend the whole time anyway. But nope, they took Iris out of her house to give OTF everything while she and the team citizen were cast aside with a box of donuts. The disrespect and lack of care with Iris as a whole this season is already mind-blowing, like her not being the main character in her own supposed centered episode, only for Caitlin to have all her lines in part, but that was just over the top. Not to mention they used three promotional picks showcasing an Iris and Joe moment only for that to be cut in the actual episode. Again, highlighting one more two once more, two trends that have become so noticeable during Eric's run. One, using Iris's image to get people to watch the episode only for her not to have the scenes displayed or have a much smaller part than one implied. And two, destroying Joe and Iris's relationship in the show by either cutting their scenes. This is the second scene in two seasons that has happened. The last time they had a real bonding moment was in season five when Todd was a showrunner. Interestingly, the two seasons it didn't happen were the ones Wallace was in charge of. Or giving scenes that completely undermine their relationship, like a marathon when they only time he talked to her was to be patronizing over her doing her job 
So much so that their relationship is dead and has been for years. Joe feels more Joe feels more like Barry's father than to any of his biological children. Sometimes bad writing can't can make a show fare worse than it usually has, and some shows have uh sorry. And some shows have those kinds of slums, but the flash has long gone past that. It's only bad and cringy writing now, and the very basis of that narrative ranges from harmful to outrageous, and it shows as practically all the characters are a shadow of their former selves, that along with Eric's unfulfilled promises that range from Barry coming into his legacy in a season he can't tie his own shoelaces by himself to making good for all families, including black and brown ones, when he can't write for the black relationship um, to save his life, takes away from the show until we have nothing left. The ratings are going further and further down. People wanted to watch through that and to the end and support their faves are now so tired of the disrespect they are giving up. At this rate, the rush might have been renewed, but whether he has an audience to an actual next season remains to be seen. So Nora is not happy at all. Um, and then next we have Lillian who says, it was nice seeing the team being more light, but I felt like the show learned leaned into the goofiness a bit too much and not enough heart. The best episodes of Flash tend to find the balance between heart, humor, and heroics, which is something Eric hasn't quite figured out how to do consistently. Speaking of heart, the few Camilla Iris interactions were very sweet, but there wasn't enough Iris. With COVID and having the cast in pause, it felt a bit reductive to separate them into Team Flash and Team Citizen. I would have preferred to do the split as the OGs and the newbies, so you have Barry, Iris, Cisco, Caitlin, and Joe in the main plot, and everyone else in the B plot. That way we would have gotten our Sunshine Twins goodbye, and the farewell party at the loft wouldn't have felt so hollow. Caitlin felt really awkward and out of place at the loft, and I actually laughed out loud when she said, The bomb. Oh yeah, forgot that little little gem of so writing. Awkward. Oh god. Um, love the headcanon on Twitter that it was Iris who posted that poker face is Barry's favorite song on his Facebook. I can definitely believe that. Assuming that the show show assuming that the show manages to stick to the landing with the Flash family at the end of the season to avoid hemorrhaging fans, they seriously need to do an overhaul in the writers' room so that we have new energy and ideas going into season eight. I definitely agree with this. I like more Character-centric episodes that focus on the hero and his real family and not randos like Cecile and Allegra. Um, and then she also had thoughts about Kate, uh, Candace's interview. She said, love seeing Candace getting more media coverage for her continuous ab- advocacy for meaningful diversity, diversity and inclusion. It's so inspiring to see how assertive and self-assured she's gotten in recent years. She's faced enormous bullshit from the start and had to push through with barely any support. I hope that her speaking up more openly means that things are getting better behind the scenes, especially with Eric in charge. The fact that Candace always delivers week after week with little recognition, no matter the material, while still fighting so many battles behind the scenes. She's always understood and delivered on her assignment, but the assignment never should have been this hard. I hope that the next time Berlanti and company are doing the press, someone has the gumption to ask them about all of this because they've been skating by in silence for too long. This is the media. The media is also white. They will not do this. Um, the CW has left a trail of traumatized black actors for years, um, and it's time they finally got called out and held accountable. Um, next up, we have Sonia, who says, The episode was weird because not only did it feel like a filler episode for Cisco's last episode, but I hate it that they split it up into Team Citizen and Team Flash, because why? Love seeing old inventions of Cisco's during this episode and being reminded of old episodes. Also, Chester fanboying over all the gadgets and the shirts and whatnot was so adorable. Hilarious that Chester was admiring Cisco's pop culture shirts and Cisco was being very territorial over them. 
The meta, this meta, making people happy and stealing money is hilarious. And I love Cisco getting whammied. It really showed off Carlos's acting skills and getting to see Carlos sing. When Barry got whammied, it was too great. Two, it was great to see Grant showcase his acting skills. Um, she loved the, the dancing and the breakdancing scene. Really liked seeing the fact that Carrie was just trying to help people and cancel their debt. Like she did it in an absolutely terrible way, but it was still nice. Great to see Cisco getting to save the day. It was nice that Camilla and Iris were interviewing photographers for Camilla's old job, and they felt bad that Iris snapped at Camilla. And it really sucks that this was literally the only thing Iris got to do this episode. Like, what the fuck? Speaking of Team Citizen, I hated that they had to have two separate going away parties. Like, why doesn't Iris get to say goodbye to Cisco or get a t-shirt from him or reminisce about old Team Flash moments? I hate the show sometimes. Also, y'all, Barry being all, there would not be a Flash without Cisco. Like, why do they have to take Wes Allen's lines? Cecile seeing some creepy vision of herself in a mask was super scary. It looked kind of like a Dr. Fates mask from Smallville DC Comics, but I'm not sure. Anyways, it'll be interesting to see how the storyline plays out. And then finally from Suara, Suara says, I feel like this is an overall good goodbye episode for Cisco, but it had some quibbles. In an unintended way, this episode highlighted a lot of frustrations I think we've all had about the show has used Cisco and Carlos. Cisco, Cisco hasn't absolutely been integral to the team. But the show has longest blah, can't talk. But the show has for the longest time not treated him anywhere near the level of respect he deserved. Some of the praising in this episode about how important he is honestly rang a bit hollow for me as a result. There have been so many times before that we have suspected that Carlos would leave the show due to his underutilization, and particularly how the show has show for some bizarre reason got rid of his powers entirely. I just feel frustrated, honestly, and I hate that. I really hope that Carlos has all the best success going forward because he truly deserves it, especially after dealing with being undervalued. I have to admit the goodbye parties at the end were cute, though honestly, it was weird that they were separate. Wish we had more time to say goodbye to Camilla, but I found her goodbye to be partly party endearing. Victoria Park. So yeah. Oh, that was weird. Um, rewind. Found her goodbye party to be endearing. So yeah, ultimately I'll miss Cisco, but I entirely understand why Carlos left, but also season eight, maybe the last season. I wish this show trusted and balanced his characters way better, but I guess we're here now. We'll see how season eight presumably wraps everything up, and if Cisco and Camilla will make a welcome guest return, I hope they will. And that is all the feedback. I think we know that Cisco at least will be returning for the finale, right? Did they, did they confirm that? I don't know if, I I don't know if he said it, but I feel like you should you can't do it without him. Like I feel yeah. like he would he would come back. He's not like he's not like like bitter about his leaving, so I think that they could count on him to come back. Unless he like books something like immediately and just can't do it because of scheduling. But Yeah. Um but yeah, I feel like there was an exit interview where he did confirm that he would be back for at least one more episode. Okay. Was that not Tom Kavanaugh? Well, Tom also will be back. But okay. I think it was Carlos because I remember um, for the Flash podcast, uh, Breeze was like, uh, "I listen, I miss him, but like he literally just left." <laughs> and then Andy was like, "He has to be back with the 150 episode. I don't know what you were expecting." And then Breeze was like, "Okay, but I mean, he got to stay then." <laughs> so anyway, true, very true. <laughs> she yeah. has a point. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that being said. Um, I 
Right, Lady of the Gumption of the Week. Oh, I guess well, there is none for the Flash. I feel like, at, like you could say Carrie Bates, but like, why? You'd be lying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, she certainly had Gumption. She just didn't have she, any yeah. to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a fair assessment. I think we could even cut. Like, we can just like skip to Astra winning. Yeah. I yes. Think yeah. There's not even a question. That's true. Yeah. So that's so, it. So wonderful. <laughs> Do we have any predictions? No, because we already did the, we already did the latest gumption. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, we are slightly disheartened, but that does not stop us from loving, you know, the concept of the Flash and all of you. Please come <laughs> back for us to further discuss these things next week, same bat time, which is now uh, Friday. Oh. I mean, for them to hear us. They oh, hear yes. us okay. For Saturdays, if you're Saturdays, if you're or if you're regular people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you all. Check us out, DCTV Gumption on Twitter, ladieswgumption at gmail.com, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com, anywhere you can find podcasts. Good night and good luck. Bye. Bye.